Cheers, y'all. I love that sound. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program known internationally as Smoking and Toasting. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, welcome to show number 164. My name is Cruz. My erstwhile partner and good friend, Ian Barry, is here. And uh, it's time to talk spirits, cigars, and craft beer. Our uh, sponsor is the incredible B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, Texas, in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and then in Houston, there's BB Italia on Memorial, BB Lemon on Washington Ave, and the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard. All wonderful places to visit. Uh, all very different, uh, actually, one from another, what you can get there and what the vibe is. But the common thread is great food and a very, very well curated bar it's so it's so worth it nice i uh you know i continue to be uh, we're going to talk today uh, one of the things we're going to uh, talk about today is the best breweries of the decade it's a new list that has been released that i think sounds it's fun i think it's very interesting but i will tell you having seen the list myself already i'm going to give you this spoiler there's not one houston brewery on the list they obviously didn't go through houston i'd see this is what i think i think that and you and I can obviously speak to this because we live in Houston. I, I feel like there's a beer bias against Houston for some reason. You very sell, even though uh, St. Arnold has won, you know, mid-sized brewer of the year just a couple of years ago. Um, it feels like everybody wants to recognize Austin, which I understand Austin's got some great breweries. I'll tell you what happens. Austin has the... Um has the reputation to be the fun place, you know, the music capital right, and all those other places. Capital, so you the, really want Austin to be the beer and capital. Right. And you know what? Austin has great beer. They really do. I mean, they do. There's no doubt about that. And there are several Austin breweries on this list, which we'll discover as we go through the list. But, I mean, I think what happens is Houston doesn't get on that radar because people don't realize. So, first off, Houston, uh, unless you live here, you don't realize that Houston's known for its variety of food like the restaurants oh in my houston? god the restaurant scene is unbelievable in world class and i've lived all over the country by right. the way i've lived in los angeles i've lived in florida i've lived in boston philadelphia washington dc st louis i've lived in right. new orleans and i think that you know, i think houston gets passed over because everyone thinks you know houston they either think cowboys they think um computers or they think oil and that's it they don't really realize they think we have barbecue and tex-mex and that's it and by the way we have great it's barbecue a major port and great tex -Mex. i mean it is houston Houston is a lot of things. Yes. And uh, and brewery-wise, I mean, first off, um, if you're listening to this and you've never been to Houston, you can't realize how big Houston is until you've been to Houston. It's enormous. Right? If think, you've been to L.A., you think, might understand what yeah, a big I was city say, is. Think or New York, Southern you know? California, because that's like, what, like the whole it's L.A. That international kind of area. big, yeah. you know? And um, and so we have so many breweries, and we have so many great breweries in Houston, and I just don't think it gets the, uh, the props, because I don't think people think of it that way. I, th I think you're right. And Houston, one of the things that drives the culinary scene here is how international a city this is. Yeah. There are so many different ethnic groups and uh, uh, pockets of places where there are just incredibly authentic restaurants from almost every culture you can imagine. Culinary schools as well. Lots of Absolutely. culinary schools. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of and art and 
Uh, I mean, there's so much stuff going on here that people don't realize until they get here. And I get that from people who, you know, move in from other places when you're talking to me. Like, I didn't realize. Yes, it's, it's crazy. It's so huge. speaking of all of it's that. It's also hot. The Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak, that, uh, place, that is yeah. one of our uh, sponsors here on the show. That is the chef there was the first chef in Houston to win the James Beard Award uh, for chefs. There have been a number of others since as the food community in Houston has become more and more recognized. I just like to see the beer community be recognized. And by the way, not just beer, but spirits too. Spirits, man. I, know. So, I mean, Whitmire's Distillery. Whitmire's is one of my favorite bourbons in existence right now. It's so good. It's so it's amazing. just so good. So, uh, and particularly when you talk about, you know, the greater Houston area and you're talking about Old Humble Distilling and you're talking about, you know, there's, there's so many great things. I mean, if you would include Magnolia and Webster as part of the greater Houston, Houston area, area, which I right. do, now you're talking about you know the Lone well, Pine about Brewery, Conroe. yeah. Oh my God, Southern Star, Brewery. Southern Star, Southern yeah. Star makes one of the best stouts available in the world, like anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah, and right. I put Southern Star's Buried Hatchet up neck and neck with uh, anything from Founders, and I love Founders. Like their breakfast stouts, brilliant. But yep. Southern Star Buried Hatchet is not even a seasonal; it's available all the time, and it's amazing. And Lone Pine in Webster, Lone, Pint, Lone Pint, that brown ale that they have. The brown is ale is so spectacular, good. and I still maintain Gentleman's Relish. That's what that was yeah, called. Yeah. And boy, that's good. And yeah. I still maintain that their IPA is like the best, outstanding. Yeah, it's just outstanding. So, so good. Anyway, uh, so uh, we'll we'll stop moaning about Houston not getting enough respect. Uh, but uh, hey, look, maybe we can do our small part. Uh, one of the things we like to do here on the show, obviously, we sample um, several beers each episode, and I like to always make sure we sample at least one Texas beer. Yeah, uh, if we can, it, it doesn't always go down that way. But but uh, today we'll be sampling a beer uh, from Webster. It oh, yeah. is uh, Saloon Door Brewing's Hustlin' Honey Blonde Ale. That'll be one of our one of our beers to be sampled uh, today. So looking forward to that. I have not tried this, so I'm I'm really really curious. Uh, then from Sparta, Illinois, uh, White Rooster Farmhouse Brewery, a brewery you may have heard of. They've had quite a bit of a claim. Uh, we'll be trying their Push Pull Punchin Aged Sour Ale. We haven't had a sour on the show mm-hmm. in a while, so I thought it was time. And then I think you're going to love this. Uh, Copper Kettle Brewing Company from Denver, Colorado, will be doing their snowed-in uh, coconut oatmeal stout aged in bourbon barrels. Mm. Yeah, I almost, that's, I almost had you put that on Mister Twirligig today. That's got some uh, some big shoes to fill because uh, we have a we have a brewery here in town called Brash, and yes. they are aptly named because they don't make anything. Everything's big. Even their lightest beer is not. Gentle. They had a goza that was like so in your face. It was oh, like yeah. unbelievable, but they which make, I loved. They make a stout called Milk the Venom, which is like a coconut chocolate mm-hmm. stout, and it's so ridiculously good. Yes. I mean, it is. Wow. So we'll see how we uh, how Copper Kettle fares, but I have a feeling based on some of the uh, ratings that they've gotten on the various beer sites, I have a feeling that we can expect this to be pretty good. Also on the program today, we'll be sampling uh, the Baker's Seven Year Bourbon. Now, this is one of Jim Beam. Jim Beam has a small line of um, of Well, they have the small boutique, batch series. The right? small batch yeah. series, and this is one of those. It's Baker's. Baker is apparently the name of Jim Beam's grandson. And so that's that's what the that's what this is named after. So grandson or nephew, I forget now. We'll have to we'll have to look that up. But it's it's a it's a much younger family member than Mr. Beam himself. So you know, I, I mean, Jim Beam makes decent whiskey, but boy, that when you start talking about Booker's and Little Book, oh, and, the Little and, Book and, is and, and amazing. So, so we'll see how this Baker's fares. If you uh, saw the picture of it at the beginning of the program, as we uh, as we were doing the intro there, you may have noticed that. 
this is not a brand new full bottle. So you're it man. looks like yeah. I, f- I realized that I forgot to turn on <laughs> Mr. Twirligig. Mr. Yeah. Twirligig. Well, you, uh, you can tend to that while we uh, while we uh, take care of a little bit of business here. We have <laughs> some interesting things to talk about today. Last week we talked about this law that had moved uh, out of committee, which if passed will uh, make it illegal to buy and sell cigars from catalogs or over the internet because it requires a face to face transaction. Uh, an exemption has now been put into that law. So it's good news, but there's a catch. And so we'll get there's to that. Always there's a catch. Always a catch. So we'll get to that. Uh, the best breweries of the decade. It's a list of 50. We'll talk about that today. And another one bites the dust. Ian, I think you're going to be very sad about the latest brewery, which don't, is sold out. Don't make me cry. Major. Yeah, well, I may, I may me make cry. you cry. You may have to drown your tears. Am in I going to have to wait until you uh, talk about you it? You may have to drown your teaser. tears in a little fat tire. Oh, no, don't tell me New Belgium. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yep. Sold to Kieran. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, tell you about, uh, we'll tell you about that story. And first, Shiner. Remember we talked about this on the show where uh, AB InBev's Carbach had gone into Shiner, Texas with the billboards. and The new Bach, a in, new town Bach in town billboard, yeah. Yep. Now they are trolling um, someone else. It's a brand new feud they have started with a craft brewery in another city. So AB and Bev getting very aggressive with this. Our beer's better than your beer on the crafty side. Ah, uh, so it's going to be. So they've actually realized that instead of insulting the people that are buying there, and here's the big air quotes, craft beer. Okay. Um, instead of insulting them, maybe they should be pushing those products that they own that they bought, and maybe these other products might be for the many as well. Yeah, but let's let's just make sure that those products are actually better than the ones you're calling out because we did our blind taste test last week with the Crawford Bach versus the Shiner Bach and there were three of us in this room all agreed that we thought the Shiner was a better superior. beer. Not that, yeah, superior. Not that Crawford was bad, but we thought the Shiner was a better beer. Well, so, you know, so AB InBev didn't lie. There is a new Bach in town. Okay. But it's not that good. <laughs> It's That's, not as good as the old Bach. Now, that would be an interesting billboard. It's, it's just not. It's, I mean, it's true. There is a new Bach in town. It's That's Crawford true. Bach. Uh, but you know it's, what? You, but, make a, you make a good point, Mr. Right. Garrett. They're insinuating that it's better than Shiner Bach, but it's not. It's, so, it's not. Let's just talk about AB InBev and the Bud Light advertising for a moment. They, uh, I, I don't remember if I told you this on, on the show or not, but uh, my wife and I are fans of the Jack Ryan Series Tom Clancy's uh-huh. Jack Ryan that's on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. and so they released the new season of it uh, uh, last month. Yeah, I'm only two episodes in, so don't don't spoil me. Okay, out. so all all I will tell you then is that there's a character that shows up and he stays pretty much through the end of the season, uh, and the, this character is played by the actor who plays the king, the on bumbling the Bud Light, king. Yeah, the bumbling king on the Bud Light commercials, which, and he's he's a fine actor. I mean, he does a great job in the role. But it's so hard to take him seriously after he's this bumbling king. Well, that whole that whole bully campaign they did with the Dilly Dilly turned into something ridiculous because, you know, at the beginning of that, and I think you've mentioned this too before, is at the beginning of that whole uh, uh, series of commercials, the king was the all-wise blah, yes. blah, 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 yes. blah. No, right? don't drink that specialty drink brew. That. I know drink better. This. this is what the people like. That's, this is what the that people was their were, message, and then right. all of a sudden he's a bumbling idiot, and we're supposed still supposed to right. listen to him, right? And not only is he a bumbling idiot that can't even find the the one of two towers where the party is, he also now 
has changed beverages. He was telling us that Bud Light was for the many and was what we should be drinking. Right, right. But now he switched to Bud Platinum, Bud Light Platinum. Which is one of Budweiser's attempts to be more crafty. Well, I suppose so. I don't know how crafty it actually is, but yeah. Certainly, or is that just the higher alcohol one? I, think I it's, can't remember. I think, like- I think it's more like it's a higher alcohol content. But here's the thing. It is the king who told us all to drink Bud Light. Him switching now from Bud Light to Bud Light Platinum, which has been the plot of the last several commercials, um, doesn't that basically not say, hey, if you like craft beer, try Bud Light Platinum. It says, if you like Bud Light, try Bud Light Platinum. And in other words, they're, they're cannibalizing their own customers. Yeah. If people switch from Bud Light to Bud Light Platinum, all that's going to do is make sales I'm, go down for Bud Light. I'm curious, too, because the whole, like, let's put out a beer with just higher ABV. Right. Um, that doesn't necessarily I, I think mean better beer. Missing, I think they're missing the point, because it seems to me like they got this information that, oh, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of craft beer drinkers like the higher like ABV the higher beers. ABV. So we don't do like one. higher ABV beers because they're higher ABV. We like them because they have more flavor. Right. Because a lot of styles that you make have higher ABV due to the way it's made. In fairness, I haven't had a Bud Light Platinum, so I can't tell you if it has more flavor than Bud Light. You want to make a but Bud Light have a higher ABV? It wouldn't be hard. Dash some vodka into it, because that's probably <laughs> about what... I, I haven't tasted it, but I'm just yeah. guessing, okay? I that's probably about that where they're will, going. You know, drink the first couple of sips of their Bud Light and then pour whiskey into the can. It's got to get flavor somehow, I guess, if you're going to do it. <laughs> want to send out a big thanks to our uh, smoking and toasting wine guru, Mark Burrell, who was our special guest on the show last week, and that was a lot of fun. I always appreciate having uh, Mark on the show. So, uh, so yes, we'll get to all of these stories that we talked about. I- I'll tell you what, I've had a. I-, I often come on the show and say it's been a crazy week. It's really been a crazy week for me. I'm so glad to be here, ready to taste some beers and some whiskey. I can't even tell you. Absolutely, it's just. I just- just fabulous to see you, my friend. Uh, it is great to see you. And I also want to tell you that uh, uh, Wiki Brian is with us early today. Usually yes. he bites Usually, in a little yeah. later. And he is on fire. He has been. He goes, first off, we're talking about how big Houston was. He goes, it takes an hour to get from Houston to Houston. And it, this that's is, right. This is true. It's I mean, it's true. crazy true. Um, the second thing is uh, the bourbon uh, is named after Baker Beam, the grandnephew of Jim Beam. Grandnephew. So, so that's I was, what that was, right? I was... Wrong in such a way that I was almost. For right. those of you just joining us who don't know uh, Wiki Brian, who Wiki Brian is, we care about Wiki Brian. Yeah, he's, and and he's awesome because he is our fact check. Oh, he corrects like, us, wizard corrects us regularly. He's, he's which our back cave. Yeah, we, we, right. <laughs> he's the cray computers in the. Back oh, cave. so apparently the angle here is that uh, the Bud Light Platinum is fewer calories than Bud, Budweiser, though barely at 137 per bottle mm-hmm. uh, to Bud's 145. Yeah, you're not shaving a lot of calories at that. And if you want a lower calorie light beer, oh, Miller Lite, mighty. Miller Lite, Michelob Ultra in the mainstream beer world, and then slightly mighty, slightly mighty is the bomb. That uh, stuff's five, delicious. Five percent tent from, and then uh, that uh, Lagoon uh, Lagunitas, the uh, the um, yes, uh, daytime. Uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, no, it's not Lagunitas. It's um, uh, is it Founders? No, it's Lagunitas. Oh, you're, no, you're right. The IPA daytime IPA. You're great. absolutely right. The founders was the slightly the founders mighty. Was slightly, yeah, and then and then no, 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 no. Founders wasn't slightly mighty. It was uh, Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head. Yes, slightly mighty. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, there's there's so many good ones out there now. But even if you're in the mainstream world, oh, and it does have a higher alcohol content. So I was right about that. Oh, okay. Well, See, I, mean, I think they're missing a bus on that. Higher Maybe alcohol content. I'll People aren't buying it because it has more alcohol. They're buying it because a lot of beers. That have higher alcohol content and have more flavor. All right, so on next week's show, I will bring in some Bud Light Platinum, and uh, we'll 
We'll we'll try We're it out. We're gonna do it. We're gonna try yeah, it. We'll try it out. Okay. We'll try it out. But on today's show, Saloon Door Brewing, Hustlin' Honey Blonde, Wild Rooster Farmhouse Brewery, Push Pull uh, Punch and Age Sour Ale, and Copper Kettle Brewing Company's Snowed In Oatmeal Stout with Coconut. That uh, sounds so we, awesome. We have all of that to look forward to. And uh, yeah, uh, but as I was saying, it's been a crazy week for me. I'm so glad to be here. But I did have time to smoke something, and I was wondering if you. Had had a chance to smoke anything interesting this week. It's funny you should say that. Uh-huh. So uh, a good friend of mine gave me a cigar last week, mm-hmm. um, and that would be you. Oh, me? Yeah. Yes. You handed me, uh, we went out for drinks that night, and you handed me an H. Upman, uh, uh, Upman A.J. Fernandez. Yes. And this is, so there's several different A.J. Fernandez H. Upmans out there. There's the round ones that um, that have the uh, little blue bluish and yellow label. Right, right. And then there's the box-pressed ones, and I'd gotten a hold of some of the box-pressed ones. And, and this uh, is the that, Churchill that size. What, yeah, that the, was what I brought you, the That Churchill. you brought me. Uh, which I love. I love Churchill's anyway. I, I just love the, like, when you smoke The way they feel. The time. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the box press is awesome. So- Instead of smoking it that night, I, I committed a little bit of a social faux pas, and I said, you know what? I'm going to take this cigar that you just handed me to smoke, and I'm going to save it and do a review about it. Oh, okay. um, so I did. And uh, I lit that up this morning. I sat on my back patio today. I didn't have time to go out and about, and I sat on my back patio and lit it up. Uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful cigar. Like Just the just the presentation. It's got three labels on it. It's got a, a, a regular band. It's got the uh, sleeve that says H. Upman and then A.J. down at the bottom, and, and, and it's a beautiful white, mm-hmm. real classy with blue lettering. And then you have the footer on it, which says uh, Nicaragua, telling you the uh, uh, country of origin on this. This is a beautiful, beautiful box press, firm and smooth, light brown in color. Um, and, and it just it just looks like you want to pick it up and smoke this cigar. I'm, I'm looking at the picture of it now. Yeah, and I'm like, it's, it's gorgeous. Man, I right? want to smoke one of those. <laughs> uh, so uh, the pre-light sniff on this was earth and hay uh, with a little light spice. I just it's, it was a nice, very pleasant smelling mm-hmm. cigar. wasn't real pungent or anything, but it just had a really nice smell to it. The pre-light draw on this, I used a punch because I um, you know I generally default to punch. I have my lighter with the punch on, it. and uh, the effortless draw on it was was wonderful. And yeah. then the pre-light um, draw on this the taste i had i got a little bit of leather and hay some toast it left a little tanginess on my lips that was really nice so it was interesting even before i lit it it was really nice the initial light uh was a bit of a pepper blast um not in a not in a rude way but very very peppery like well, like, so Nicaraguans do that a lot of times. Right. When you first light them, you get that whoosh pepper. Right, right. Yeah. And it was interesting because the pepper was way up, way up front in the flavor, and then after the second or third puff, it, the pepper moved all the way into my palate yep. and was and was very full. But after the initial light, well, after that, the aftertaste on the initial light had a hint of mocha and coffee and a slightly nutty flavor to me. Yep. Um, uh, so, uh, moving on to the first third of the cigar, the pepper was still there. It started picking up some toast and nutty flavors. I put hazelnut in a uh, question mark cause it really kind of got that sweet nutty kind of mm-hmm. flavor that you get. I put sweet creaminess down a little coffee or toffee notes, like somewhere in between there. This, it, I mean, it was an interesting cigar. It had a Almost lot like of a things. Almost like a flavored coffee, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, like yeah. like when you buy a hazelnut coffee, right, and right. I'm not one that, uh, like when I drink coffee, I drink it black, no, no sugar no at sugar all. No sugar cream, yeah. But, uh, but sometimes you get a hazelnut coffee that has just the tiniest kiss of sweetness to mm-hmm. it that's actually kind of good. Pretty good, yes. Um, and this had a little of that to me. Uh, maybe that's why I said the toffee notes, too. Uh, it had... Um, a creaminess, a sweet creaminess to it that just kind of was all throughout the palate. Um, 
some cedar in the aftertaste, I thought, and in the retrohale had a solid ash, perfect burn, as you can see pretty much on this uh, uh, picture here. The uh, next third of this, the second third of this, more sweet creaminess starts popping up. Pepper settles in a little bit. It lightened up a little bit and settled in. I was getting a little bit of light toast, a little cedar ramping up there. Uh, turned into be about a, a medium, I'd say right in the dead center, medium strength-wise. Mm-hmm. That sweetness prevailed the whole time. It was really, really nice. Uh, solid ash, perfect burn. The last third of the cigar, the cedar and nutty notes really ramped up on this. Um, sweet and creamy all the way throughout with a nice pepper spice backing it up. It's kind of like almost when you get a sweet and spicy um, something, you know, mm-hmm. like a like a sweet and spicy chocolate that just like you get that sweet and then you have yeah, that little spice little on the tail end. It's it. really yep. nice, yeah. Uh, and there was a little hint of vanilla towards the end of this. Mm-hmm. I thought, like 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 it almost, um, almost like a Cavendish style vanilla, uh, like from a not quite from, from a pipe, but you know, yeah, yeah, I know what you along mean, those yeah. lines. Uh, and then you know, and still the toffee going on there. I gave this. This was a seven and a half to eight dollar cigar. Uh, that you handed me, um, looking that gift horse in the mouth there. Yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to do this. Yeah. You're right, right. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, I give that a solid six and a half right there. That See, punch is above its level and yes. and was a great cigar, and I'll be looking forward to buying probably a box of those at some point in time in the future. And I will tell you, because I love smoking this cigar, uh, and you can often get it, uh, or one of the other H. Upman by AJs, which have similar flavor yeah. profiles and and similar are similarly enjoyable, you can get these regularly for seven to eight, eight and a half dollars. Sometimes, if you're watching the sales online, you can get them for even less, from like maybe six dollars. Right. And the, it in a, in a way, these cigars for me because I like them so much and I smoke them on such a regular basis, they have almost like tipped the scales in the $8 cigar category. They've right. made it harder for other $8 cigars to to get higher ratings if I'm doing the rating on them because I it think sets that bar well, this is good but yeah. for the same price I could have had right. one of those and so you you find that that so to me the $8 cigar range is probably the most competitive range in in cigars right now. So I'll tell you right now, my favorites in that price range. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two favorites right now, and after smoking this, this is one of them. Um, and the other one is the Cavalier Geneva. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's they're good. they're so good, and they're right in that eight to nine dollar price range. And I will tell you though that this at this price point has has become my second level go to, yep. just like that. Because will, like will, my first level go to, I love the little uh, Nica Libres. Uh, oh, yeah. as a as a just you know, I don't want to think about it. It's a great little cigar. You don't have to worry about it. It's also a lot cheaper though. But too. they're a lot cheaper. Yeah. They're you know three to four dollars depending mm-hmm. on the sale you find out. This will be that next level and go. Okay, I'm going to stock some of these when I want a little bit more. We may be in trouble with Nica Libre. And I'll tell you why coming up in our next segment. There's a teaser for you. Uh oh. Yeah, yeah. You are just now. There I got be, so many things to worry there about. Could right be now. a problem. I'm going to yeah. chew my fingernails down to nothing. <laughs> well, I had an interesting cigar uh, this week. In fact, I just enjoyed it a little bit before the show, so it's very fresh in my mind. I smoked the very small robusto, uh, the Ashton Symmetry Prism, 
And this cigar has been out for uh, a couple years. Uh, and it was Ashton. You know, the Ashton cigars are all done by the Fuente family. They do the right. blending on them. So Ashton, this was Ashton's first cigar that included Nicaraguan tobacco. And it was a very, you know, beautiful label, beautiful wrapper. It's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. It's got Dominican binder and then Dominican and Nicaraguan filter. Uh, filler, I'm sorry, not filter. Um, nice looking cigar, a few veins, nice cap. Uh, the pre-light on it was very leathery and woody and smelled great. Uh, with a V-cut and a torch, my smoking experience began. And it was pleasant at first. I could detect some... Uh, oaky wood flavors, but about three quarters of an inch in, things started to get really interesting. Really? Yeah. It like it like it's like it took a moment to warm up. It was pleasant, but man, once it warmed up, it was like, oh, this is going to be good. Um, it warmed up to medium plus in strength once it mm-hmm. got going, uh, which I'll admit is kind of my sweet spot mm-hmm. for where I really like things. Uh, and then the flavors and aromas, as it smoked, started to get more and more rich and more and more intense and it was one of those things where you're like i'm so glad i chose this cigar today nice you know it just had that feel to it it was really i was really enjoying it uh leather rich oaky wood notes a little bit of nutty flavor all wrapped in a kind of a creaminess that came and went as it smoked so it was like the creaminess would come in and just mellow everything out a little bit and then the creaminess would kind of recede and you would get the the stronger flavors and and then it would come back. It was it was just a wonderful. That sounds like a roller coaster. It really and and in the best possible way. Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, it didn't have uh, a lingering ash like some of the ones that I've been able to smoke uh, recently. Uh, but that's not really all that important. The construction and the burn on it were absolutely flawless. Here's the thing: it's a thirteen dollar cigar. Ooh, and it's a small robusto. Now. Didn't feel like I overpaid, but I'm going to give it a five, and and this was my rationality. And as everyone who's a regular listener of the show knows, the price to quality index five means you get exactly what yes. you pay for. So at thirteen dollars, here this was my thought about it when I was trying to figure out how do I rate this because I'm enjoying it so much. How could I give this less than a five? But I felt like I, I can't quite give even as good as it was. I couldn't quite give this small a Robusto at thirteen dollars. Yeah, thirteen dollars. That's a, that's uh, a, a pricey cigar. Let's say yeah. right. Uh, so what I finally came to is I said, you know, it's a it's a solid five because if you're going to spend thirteen dollars on a small Robusto, this is what you want it to be. So I was able to like look at it that way. I kind of came at it, came back What's at the, it from the other. Do end, you happen you know? to remember off the top of your head what was the smoking time on that small Robusto? Uh, it was just under an hour. Just under an hour, so more, more like fifty minutes. I want to point out because this is this is something I've been trying to uh, be a little more aware of because I think that I think that some people would want to know this, and I, I forgot to uh, mention it with my cigar, which was uh, just over an hour uh, on my cigar. I think it was an hour and ten mm-hmm. minutes, and or, that's a much longer cigar. Yeah, than it was a much bigger cigar, but different cigars. Even at the same size, will smoke at different times. Correct. Yeah. And then different smokers smoke faster and slower as well. I think I smoke a little on the slower side in general. But if you're going to get close to an hour out of that thirteen dollars, I think that also goes into. That's a very good point. Yes. That also yeah. goes into it because an hour long cigar for thirteen dollars, 
even if it's a small one, does add a little bit of that value, a little bit of that enjoyment. Time. And I've had some small Robustos that are 30-minute smokes. Yes. And, and by the way, that can be fine. Yeah. Sometimes it's what you want if you don't have a lot of time. But if your $13 cigar was a 30-minute smoke... Yeah, you'd feel a little bit like maybe you didn't... pretty badass yeah. <laughs> You are correct, sir. All right, we have so much to uh, taste and talk about uh, on this show. I want to get right into those segments, so let's take a break. We'll be right back. Smoking and Toasting, show number 164. We'll be talking about the best breweries of the decade. And yet, another one bites the dust. We'll tell you about that coming up next. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. We are the uh, program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, another one bites the dust. Another shoe has dropped. And this time, uh, I don't know, maybe this one pierces a little more even because the brewery that has sold to a larger brewing conglomerate, um, it's sold to uh, Lion, which is uh, actually called, I, I think, Lion... Little, uh, it's it's Kieran Holdings. It's it's the people that make Kieran beer and a number of others in Japan. They have bought New Belgium, which are the breweries of Fat Tire. And the reason this one kind of stings a little bit for me, uh, I'm kind of extra bummed about this one, is New Belgium was at least the only brewery in Colorado that was employee owned. Yeah. So good news here is, since the employees owned it. They're the ones who will benefit financially yes. from the sale. That is the good news in all of this. But I'm just, I don't know. Uh, the price is undisclosed, and the Japanese uh, company that owns uh, Kirin um, is the, well, this is the third large craft brewer that has agreed to sell to a larger publicly owned brewer in roughly uh, six months. Um, now, one of those is Dogfish Head, which, you know, um, that was part of a merger with, uh, uh, with, uh, the folks at Boston Beer, which is Sam right, Adams, right. so that still kind of qualifies. That one doesn't as bother me, beer. though. Yeah, right. That one doesn't bother me. Although I did see an interesting article this week that says, based on you know how we talked about last week, how AB InBev did not exercise their option to buy the rest of the Craft Brew Alliance, and then they waited right. and bought it much cheaper because the price went down. Um, the article that I read was basically saying that based on what they wound up paying for the Craft Brew Alliance, which got them Kona and several others, uh, that. Um, that Boston beer overpaid for Dogfish Head in in terms of like if they had waited a little longer uh, and values had gone down a little bit they would have they'd have paid less but I don't know to me if the chemistry between Jim Cook's Boston Brewing Company right and Dogfish Head if that works it it won't it won't matter you know what I mean but uh, but anyway, I, I find this interesting. I'm I'm just you know I'm 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 a little bummed. New Belgium is much larger as a brewery than Dogfish Head or Kona. It's the fourth largest craft brewery in the United States by sales volume, and the eleventh largest U.S. brewer overall. I did not know that, by the way, that it was that big. I, I mean, didn't know. It was I that knew big they were either. very successful, and I knew that Fat Tire was one of those beers that you can kind of find. Most like places, everywhere, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I did not uh, realize that. Uh, I think New Belgium's influence within the craft brewing industry may have been even larger than that. Uh, in nearly three decades, they seem to 
have established a very sustainable approach to making beer on their own without compromising their values. And um, I don't know. More than th- here, here's the good news: if there's a silver lining here, more than 300 employees of New Belgium Brewing will be receiving over a hundred thousand dollars of retirement money. Good for them out of the sale. So I, we can be happy about that, right? Uh, there, there's our silver lining. I wonder so. how many of them are going. Okay, I'm retiring now. Yeah, yeah. And you know, as a as a consumer of beer, my big question is: Is Kieran going to do anything to screw this up? Because New Belgium brews some great beers. Yeah. Well, their Fat Tire just as a staple is such a good beer. Well, anyway. it really is. I love that it's that it's this uh, slightly lighter craft beer, but it's got this wonderful chocolate. Uh, note to it. It's very makes bready. It, if you it ask makes it me. so good it, yeah. with a cigar, yeah, so, good. so good with a cigar. So anyway, uh, I, I started to say I'll miss them. I won't miss them. I'll I'll continue to support, you know, uh, a brewery that makes beers that I like. But uh, I just I am bummed. I get a little bummed by the fact that it's getting harder and harder to actually buy a craft, an independent craft beer nowadays. And you know, I really believe this trend is going to continue. I think it's you know, maybe it's just even harder just the and harder tip of the to iceberg. Do that. Like I. There are beers, craft beers, and I'm putting them up there that uh, that are owned by AB InBev that I still uh, would enjoy, except for the fact that I just don't want to put money in their pockets. You, you think just, about the Goose Island, you know, uh, barrel aged right, stout. It's right. like, oh, that beer is so good, but it's like, yeah, do you really? Yeah, and there are a couple exceptions like that. The, mm-hmm. the bourbon barrel stout is is one that I'll pick up usually at least one or two a year. But I mean, frankly, it's just I. I feel a little bad putting money in ABMF's pockets when I can put money in an independent's pockets, yeah, and I yeah, and I appreciate that a little more. But they're making it tougher and tougher. Now that being said, I'm not complaining about the independent people. I, like all those people getting uh, getting their retirement package going on. I, hey man, yeah, you know sweet. what? Good for them, and I'm happy yeah, for yeah, them. I agree, but I, I do hate to see this. And and one of the reasons I hate to see it is because <clears throat> I come out of an industry where. Um, most of uh, the radio industry, most radio stations were owned by small to medium-sized companies that owned a handful of radio stations. And deregulation came along in the 90s that allowed you to own more. And so big companies started to swoop in and and buy everything up. And they basically... Uh, Are you talking about Clear Channel? Well, they're certainly one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, They basically ruined broadcast radio for all intents and purposes. No, they didn't. They homogenized it and made it so that anytime you turn on the radio, you can hear the same three Zeppelin songs, the same three Skinnerd songs, the same three uh, Creed songs, the same three. I mean, you name it. I can tell you this. Their but, plan was to do radio for the many, not for the few. But the many said, yeah, screw you. I don't like it either. And they've gone to the streaming services to get their music. But you don't like the consistency of being able to hear the same songs every day you turn on the radio? I mean, come on. There's got to no. be something to that. Especially when... That's for the many. Especially when some of them are by Cardi B. But that's a whole other... You know, I mean, here's the deal. If you drink the same exact beer every day and yeah. you never vary from it because that's your beer, yeah. then you probably listen to the same music every day and you never vary from it because that's your music. Yeah, but I don't know. I, like I just what can't I'm imagine saying a is life like Clear that. Channel and AB InBev should just get married. Yeah, well, they should. They <laughs> should. Like they're doing the same thing. They're just doing it with different senses. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to something more uh, pleasant to talk about, and that is a brewery that is out of Webster, Texas, that we have not ever, I think, sampled anything from before. Uh, do you know if we had anything from Saloon Door? 
I couldn't remember. I don't think ever, we ever have. I couldn't remember ever mm-hmm. having anything. So, no, as a matter of fact, I emailed them earlier, telling them we were going to do a review on this, and the, the guy got back to us. He's like, "Hey, man, send us a link and everything." It was uh, seemed really cool. He's like, "I." I I love this this vibe that I get sometimes when I uh, when I email the people and tell them we're going to do a, um, a review on their beer. This guy emailed me back. He's like, "I'm out delivering right now. I I'm sorry, that. I don't have I a lot of chance to do this." I love that, that. How grassroots is that? It's it's uh, there's something just wonderful. So the about guy it. handling the emails on the website, yeah, from is his out phone in the, the truck, right? Right. <laughs> I did that. I, that's the ones I want to support. You know. Well, let's see how their uh, blonde ale is. Let's this is the it. hustling honey. Uh, from Saloon Door Brewing, I love their can artwork. Their their can artwork. They got this black uh, black around the edges, and then this uh, honey, this, yeah, this honeycomb, honeycomb look, looking yep. thing with some dripping honey from the top. And, and a then hot there's, chick on there, there's hot the blonde hot, chick. There's the hustling honey on the phone, right? Getting and, it done. Yeah, and for my friend Josh, this is a cool looking can. <laughs> Josh is uh, listening to the audio. Only. Yes, he yeah. he listens to audio only. He's like, I, I never can see what you're doing. Do. People do it in the car, you know. So it's uh, it's it's a thing. Oh, so. I forgot to put that up against. The, I forgot to do the uh, the uh, sound effects. Oh, that's right. Well, I I, could I just hear got, it. I could hear it. But we we got a little carried away. Yes, a little more than that. Uh, why, why yeah, I, uh, time, sir. I just got a little overexcited and was like, I'm cracking yeah. open a beer. Oh, I can tell you, I love it already on the nose. This is uh, this is wonderful. Yes, I will. Um. I can't smell it from the can just opening it, but let's let's see what happens here. I'm put this back up. Get a little Mr. bit of nose on it, Mr. It's Twirly not, Gig. It's not super here. strong, but it's. Uh, uh, you oh, can it does just smell a really little nice. bit of that uh, sort of breadiness and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm it has a very a little bit of a, a little bit of a bready yeastness going on, and um, I, I just Ooh. invented that word yeastness, by the way. You know what? I, I'm going to tell you my first. I, I just took the first sip and a little honey. Yes, uh, and I will tell you, there's so many uh, times when I will <clears throat> sample like a honey blonde, where it's got a certain sweetness to it, but it doesn't necessarily taste to me like honey. This one, you can taste the honey. This is not what I expected, actually. Yeah, from uh, even from for the me. nose, I expected mm-hmm. this to be sweeter because mm-hmm. um, it has that really sweetness and a smell, which I think really adds to the palate. But it's a bitter. Uh, much more of a bitter uh, flavor overall, but not in any kind of bad way. Like I in think, a really I good drinkable delicious. way. Delicious. This this does that little tickle thing to my palate, which says, "Ooh, take another sip of that. That's good." Yeah, it's you got know? a real snappy hot bitterness to it that just goes like that, mm-hmm. and then it's got just enough sweet honey, especially on the nose. I think the nose. I think on this, mm. I think this is a beer that benefits greatly from having it in a glass instead of instead of out of the can instead of just in a can uh, i would agree totally you know I'll, I'll tell you it's got that wonderful breadiness to it that almost you can almost taste the flour on top of the bread if you know what i mean by that like like when you get a piece of bread like uh, from a restaurant or something that's got a real flour coating on the crust I, I, it almost tastes like that to me but with this sort of Honey sweetness and then a little bit of hop bitterness that, like you said, goes away almost immediately after you swallow it. It's wonderfully this, balanced. This makes me want some baked crackers mm-hmm. with some uh, like Havarti with dill on it. Or like, some, can you imagine or, or how brie? good that would go? Uh, brie, yeah, oh, something man. creamy like that. This yeah. would go so good. Or as you and I got to experience because we uh, met for uh, drinks with our wives last week over at uh, Mongoose versus Cobra here in Houston uh, and. We got to experience the beer, beer cheese. cheese yeah. Oh, there's nothing wrong with beer <laughs> cheese. Let me just tell you. Like, let me just point out the two ingredients that are in the name. Yeah, beer, beer, cheese. Cheese. 
Like, wonder what's in it. <laughs> that stuff was awesome. <laughs> if, it, if it had anything else in it, I don't want to know. Well, we got it with the we got it with the big old pretzel too. Yeah, the big fresh baked pretzel. That. Oh man, so good. And I'm usually the guy that likes the really gritty mustard that they served with. You know, mm-hmm. the coarse mm-hmm. ground, ridiculous mustard that makes your nose burn. Mm-hmm. And um, and while their coarse ground mustard was amazing, the beer cheese. I mean, come on. Ian, I'm going to go uh, back to this beer. This is wonderful. Like, I'm really impressed with this Honey Blonde. I am, too. Uh, I think this is this is a really, really nice beer. Uh, and this is from this is from here in Texas, right? Yes, Webster. From Webster, Texas. Oh, it's not mm-hmm. even that far away. That's right. Nice. We need to have so, them on the show if they're making beers like this. Boy, you're not kidding. Uh, so uh, so I, I know that he's busy driving the truck. And, right. we, and and we love that. We support that. But if you want to drive the truck by here one week for the show, that's, that's right. Uh, <laughs> that, that that's a that's a hell of an idea. What was don't his you name? Think? Let me see. We're gonna give a shout out to him because because yeah. uh, of how good this beer is. Uh, yeah, this is fantastic. It's, oh, let me see here. Who's it from? Uh, wow, impressive, impressive. I'll tell oh, you. I don't have a I don't have a name on it. But anyway, yeah, his his his. Uh, his reply back. To His you. reply back. Ian, sorry, I just got this. Uh, you guys have a link <laughs> or something? I'm out making deliveries. I'm limited on what I can do at the moment. <laughs> I, you awesome. know, I love that this guy. I, I want to awesome. support these guys for the grassroots on it. Well, uh, let me just so. let me just shout this out to those of you who are, uh, and I know we have several who listen to the show who are responsible for stocking or for uh, putting the uh, the right stuff into a particular bar or restaurant. This, if you're looking for a good blonde ale for your uh, for your menu, this is a great choice. Yeah, this is this is really nice. Like this, like some mm-hmm. um, some some drinks, uh, some beers make me want to have cigars with. This makes me want to have food with it. Like this, I, I totally agree. I like bet you were saying this the crackers. Goes, yeah, the this this probably goes amazing with so many foods. Mm. Um, I can see this. Like, I bet this is a great backup for pizza too. Yeah, absolutely, know? absolutely. Oh God, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like with the pizza crust. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, Alan. I just see that uh, Alan Denny is watching uh, on here. Um, Alan, shout out us and let us know if you know the guys from uh, from um, uh, from, uh, from Saloon, Saloon Door, Door Brewing yeah. out there in Webster yeah. because this beer is outstanding. All right. So, uh, so speaking of Alan, uh, Alan's uh, shop where we've done uh, a show. Uh, in Galveston, Galveston Island Cigar had, had the big uh, grand opening, uh, and you got to go they out did. there. How they was did it? the ribbon cutting and everything. I didn't make it to the ribbon cutting. I, I, I it was six to nine. I think is they close at nine. Um, I didn't make it to the ribbon cutting because I was coming straight from Tomball all the way down to Galveston, and I left work at five. Like we mentioned earlier, you can drive for an hour and you're still in Houston. It is so, it is yeah. traffic. Yeah, and so it took me until by the time I stopped and grabbed some food, it took me till eight o'clock to get there. Wow, I left there like five. 15-ish. So, That's amazing. Yeah, it was like a two and a half hour <laughs> drive down there. Uh, anyway, yeah, the shop was still bustling when I got there. A lot of people had already left, but the shop was still bustling when I got there. They had a great response. They had a whole bunch of people there supporting it. It was really nice. They had some door prizes. That was pretty cool. I will tell you, the next time that I go down there, I want to time it so I can be down there when the sun goes down. And watch that from that beautiful that back deck he's got back in the And back. it was beautiful last night. I know it's yeah. winter, everybody. Yeah. If you're not in Texas right now, if you're not in Houston, <laughs> let me tell you what winter was like last night. Yes. Uh, 
it was 68 ish. Yeah, shirt, out on the patio shirt sleeve weather with a breeze. Yeah, shirt oh sleeve man, weather. it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And the back patio was you nice. Uh, I have a friend complain. that lives out in Galveston, and I call him up every time I go down there. I'm like, hey, Duncan, come out and have a cigar with me. And he lives just minutes from there, so he's like, yeah, come on out. And so we'll sit out there and have a little glass of whiskey and um and a cigar, and it's uh, such a great time. We had a wonderful, wonderful time out there. Hung out with Alan and uh, uh, and uh, a bunch of other people, you know, just love having a good old time. I love it. Speaking of whiskey, Jim Beam's uh, Baker's Seven Year Bourbon uh, is a well, it's an interesting construction from Kentucky. I feel like you've had this before. Uh, what uh, did you? I'm just curious what you base that on. <laughs> so if you go over to the to the beer cam right now, we have the yeah. bottle of Baker's right there. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. I feel like you may have actually tried this bottle at some point in time. I, I don't know where you get that idea. And for those I of you who are just up. listening audio, Josh, um, the bottle is. Only got about a quarter of left. Yeah, in there. it's about a quarter of a bottle left. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be uh, we'll be doing a little on show sampling of that. And um, looking, I've actually and had this to. before. Yeah. Have you had this before? Um, I cannot tell a lie. Yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll sample it on the show anyway because because we're gonna talk about it. Bakers, <laughs> yeah, because Bakers yum. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's take a break. We'll be back. Uh, White Rooster Farmhouse Breweries Push Pull Punch and Age Sour Ale in the next segment. Plus, we got to get started on this list because there's 50 breweries on it. So it's going to take more than one segment to go through them. The 50 best American breweries of the decade, and we'll get to that coming up next. It's smoking and toasting. Thank you for checking us out. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. It's show number one, show number one sixty four. Uh, so we've been, you know, we've, we're a ways down the the track here. We're, we're I, getting there. You know, we're halfway to two hundred now. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> Halfway from where? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. So we're going to be talking about the best, best breweries of the decade, and we are brought to you by uh, the best restaurant of the decade, B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in um, um, uh, BB Lemon across the street, of course, and then there's, you know, um, BB Italia on Memorial and the new uh, Bar Annie. I need to go to the BB Italia. I haven't been there. Have you been to the BB Italia yet? I have not. So maybe that should be our next uh, get together. Yeah, let's make it a dinner date. I, I Double think date. We, we can go uh, do a little dinner, and then uh, I think they've got an outdoor area. We might be able to enjoy a cigar at that. Ooh. Oh, very nice. So um, uh, you may be familiar with Ten Barrel Brewery. Uh, they're one of the breweries that ABN Bev uh, scooped up, uh, bought in one of their purchasing uh, uh, f- frenzies. Um, and these guys have now um, basically stolen the slogan from the Oregon Brew Pub Flat Tail Brewing. Uh, the slogan is Damn Good Beer, and it's spelled D-A-M, like a beaver dam. It's Damn Good Beer. That's the slogan that Flat Tail Brewing has been using. Well, Ten Barrel not only has stolen the slogan and started using it for Ten Barrel Brewing Company, uh, which they say is the official craft beer of Oregon State Athletics, something that the uh, much smaller Flat Tail could never have afforded to uh, buy, that sponsorship. Right. Um, but they've taken an 18-wheeler, they've painted 
what you know what looks like a big billboard on the side of it, uh, Ten Barrel Brewing Company, damn good beer, D-A-M good beer. And they've now taken this and basically started driving it around the Flat Tail Brewery. Around and around the Flat Tail Brewery. So right. they stole the logo, yeah, the slogan, and now they're driving it around the brewery. Yeah. That is... Let me... That's... See, that's more bully campaign right, right there. Yeah. Not only did they steal it, but they put it on the truck and started driving past their brewery. Now, here's what the guys from Flattail, the original damn good beer people, said. They did an Instagram post where they showed a photo of the uh, the truck. And in fact, uh, maybe I'll show this to the uh, to the camera. I know it's a little weird to just show because I didn't I didn't prepare this as a photo for Adam to share. But you can see it right there, Ian. If you want to maybe show that to the camera, I will put that's it right the photo up. from the Instagram post that uh, that Flattail did, the little brewery, of the truck from um, Ten Barrel, which is owned, now owned by Anheuser Busch. Uh, they, they that's the photo of it basically in their backyard. And here's what the Instagram post said from Flattail Brewing. It said, "It's no secret you can steal a lot of intellectual property when you've got that sweet, sweet at Anheuser Busch money." But seriously, Ten Barrel Brewing, did you have to drive it past our brew house? Can't wait to get a cease and desist for using my own slogan, F- XOXO, FT Dave, which is from the uh, from Flattail Brewing. In response, Ten Barrel posted this. They said, sorry, Flattail Brewing. We had no idea you guys were using the tagline. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm calling bullshit now. Because no company, why would they drive it? No by company them? can use a slogan, first of all, without their lawyers jumping in and saying we have to search this and see if it's you know in use. Uh, and um, so, yeah. And then that's the second thing. Why would you drive it past their brewery? I mean, why it's, would it's kind of like the Shiner thing if you think about it. It's like it's one thing to launch your own Bach and go up against them and compete with them, but it's an, and it's another thing to put a billboard up right in Shiner across from the brewery. And it's yet another to go, oh, it wasn't intended to be any sort of shot at Shiner. Yes, it was. That's exactly what Absolutely. it was. Absolutely. That's button pushing. But that's ridiculous. That's a bully campaign right there. Mm-hmm. Why would they do that? Yeah. Now, the only reason they do that is because they have Anheuser-Busch behind them with big With big money. money. Big, big money. And, money. Big money and big lawyers. So they say, sorry, uh, at Flattail Brewing, we had no idea you guys were using this tagline. We're just stoked on our new partnership with Oregon State. Guess great minds think alike. Again, flouting their money, basically, because they had the money to go in and secure a sponsorship with Oregon State. Um, although your photo and post doesn't inspire community, what? So they're complaining. They're complaining that, that them stealing yeah. a slogan and then flaunting it by it driving truck it, yeah. and driving it around the brewery from the place they stole it. And yeah. they're complaining that the, they're complaining that uh, the guys at Flattail aren't inspiring community. This is like when I. This is a little bit like when I, I got a phone call from one of those spam people, mm-hmm. and so I decided to waste his time a lot. So for the next 20 minutes, I kept this guy on the phone, and when I told him that I didn't actually have any of those credit cards that he was trying to have me consolidate, yeah, he was so mad at me for wasting his time, yeah, and all I could do was laugh and go, but you were trying to scam me. You're like, you're, you're mad at me time. for yeah. wasting <laughs> your time when you're trying to scam me? This is the same kind of thing. You're mad at them for not promoting community when you're bullying them? So, so Ten Barrel Brewing, 
I, I don't. I don't have. A, I'm sorry. That right there lights me up. I don't have any real patience for bullies. Like right. that right I there agree. is. I agree. Really, really crappy. So Tin Barrel Brewing, they're claiming that because they now have bought a sponsorship with Oregon State, whose mascot is the Beaver. That that's why they came up with damn. Oh yeah, they beer. just came right. up they with just it. Came, yeah, and we just yeah. happen to also yeah. drive it by your brewery that's been using that slogan for a while. So they say, although your photo and post don't inspire community, our founders and Beaver alum, Oregon State alum, have come up with a couple ideas as solutions. Our founders will challenge your best drinkers to a boat race. Winner gets the slogan. How how about we challenge your best drinkers to see whose beer's better? So like, let's put it to the beer, and then they say, or we can change out the graphics to something more fitting for us. Like, and these all start with hashtags: damn better beer, beavers should work together, worry about the ducks, which is another Oregon college mascot. Why old guy flip us off? <laughs> So you can guess the driver must have received the finger from somebody. Oh, I bet. Uh, uh, hashtag next time call us. Hashtag we would have changed it. Hashtag not now. I'm calling BS on every single Agreed. one. Agreed. Of you, those. you should. You knew better. Yeah, they're you just knew better, and you're being yeah. that guy. Yeah. And uh, no patience for bullies, man. And Screw then, those people. and then finally, I have to read the the final post from the original guys who had this first. From the small brewery uh, uh, that that got robbed, uh, they said Flattail Brewing said back to um, Anheuser Busch, "Holy shit, Ten Barrel Brewing! You mean this whole time all we had to do to get big beer off our backs was ask politely?" Okay, here we go. Dear at ABN Bev Molson Coors Brewing, ZX Ventures, and everyone you own, number one, stop engaging in pay-to-play at off-premise accounts, like giving away snowboards at your promos. Number two, stop bribing and pressuring distributors to sell your products ahead of other brands. Number three, stop using your smaller faux-craft brands to promote diversity and progressive agendas while simultaneously funding millions into organizations and PACs that support the opposite. Number four, don't make fun of Jim just because he's the only employee over 40 in a company uh, full of millennials. That's punishment enough. Hashtag dick move. Hashtag ageism. Number five, don't pretend to be the good guys while literally ransoming our own slogan back to us. That's one special kind of WTF. Man, uh, man I, classy I, I, answer. Yeah, I'm so with him. I'm Classy so with them. answer. So I thought that was worth sharing, even if only for the the interestingness of the of the struggle and the unbelievable yeah, ABM Bev. Yeah, ABM Bev, you're you're stepping on yourself here. Uh, I'm telling you, this kind of stuff like, will unbelievable. And will people want to be a part of this you. kind of bullying. Yeah. People want to be a part of this kind of. Let shittiness. me ask you this: We were talking about radio and 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 uh, the big companies and the big uh, beer companies and their similarities and all that earlier. Um, what what would ha- what happens if you go out and ask somebody their opinion about Clear Channel broadcasting? I don't know that most general public know what Clear Channel really is. Yeah. Well, I was at a party uh, not that many years ago when I worked for a Clear Channel station, and um, I somebody asked me what I did as I was you know getting some cheese and crackers, and I said, "Oh, I'm in radio," and they go, "Oh, well, what company do you work for?" And I said, "I work for Clear Channel," and they said to me, and I'm not kidding, "Oh." Isn't that the company that ruined radio? 
<laughs> and I think they got that from Howard Stern. I think he had I think he had talked about Clear Channels being the company that ruined radio. And I said, as I grabbed some really interesting looking cheese cubes, why yes, yes they are. Yeah, why yes they are. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's do some beer tasting. We have a uh, a very interesting uh, beer here, and this one's in a bottle. Uh, you know, there's not that many beers in bottles anymore, Ian. Your your can revolution has won. Uh, and Canvolution. Canvolution. Uh, it's one. There's not that many beers left in bottles, but this one is. It is from the White Rooster Farmhouse Brewery. We don't do a lot of sour ales on the show, but here we go. This is a punchin aged sour ale. And I will admit freely, I have no idea what punchin is. Do you? I have no idea either, okay. Wiki Brian. Wiki Brian, are you out there? What's the hell is punchin? We need you, Wiki Brian. <laughs> All right. So this is going to be interesting. I can tell you. My first thing about it is it has almost no carbonation. And this is not old, by the way. I've only had this beer for a few weeks. So, um. Oh, he says, Flat Tail posted a picture of them uh, with them holding a sign of their own logo. Mm-hmm. Each of them flipping off 10 barrel. <laughs> oh, that's good. Why'd the old guy flip us off? Well, uh, by the way, you can keep pouring. It's okay, but we've got enough here. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean we've got enough, enough pours. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just kept pouring. There's a lot of people yeah. here. So my first thing that I can tell you about this is I've noticed it looks as if it has virtually no carbonation, which surprises me a little. Now, yes. I'm not saying it doesn't. I, I haven't even any picked it up. I haven't even picked it up yet, and I can smell mm-hmm. it from it a is, mile away. It is super sour. And I will tell you, I'm not crazy about the nose. I may like the beer, but uh, once it's I have to taste it. It's got a funk to it that it's I kind of like, though. Well, you know, this is a farmhouse uh, a brewery, White Rooster Farmhouse Brewery. So, you know, those farmhouse ales are funky this brews. Is, this has got a funk to it that I really yeah. kind of appreciate, right, actually. Let's, let's see where it goes. I, I'm not crazy about it on the smell, but it might be wonderful on the tongue. It's I, I don't I don't even know how to describe the funk that's going on in the smell, but if you've ever had a good funky beer, this is what it smells like. I haven't tried this yet. You know the so the uh, in Michael Jackson's song Thriller, Vincent Price is doing the narration and he says the funk of forty thousand years. That's how I'm going to describe the smell of this. <laughs> the funk of forty thousand years. It's got a little bit of old shoe to it, but it's not bad. I kind of mm. like it, actually. Uh, I, I want this to have a little more carbonation. There's zero carbonation in right. this. Right. I agree. I, I don't I don't dislike the taste. It's actually very uh, taste bud um, taste bud awesome. You know what I mean? Like it tingles across your tongue. You can kind of feel it across Man, the, the palate. Outside but I really want- edge of in the back of the palate, the outside yeah. edge of the tongue where the sour really sits. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, this it is almost drinks drinks more like a wine than a beer, though. Yes, agreed. Uh, I I really very do much want agreed. more. This carbonation. has it has a very wine consistency to mm-hmm. it as well, and the um, lack of carbonation makes and it no good. carbonation at all. I mean, there's none. Well, I noticed uh, when you opened the top on it, we didn't get a sort of a nope, you there know? Was no fizz. Yeah, I wonder if that's on purpose or maybe this is a bottle mistake. I I can't imagine that it is. Like I said, I just got this a few weeks ago. Uh, what did Brian say? So a very basic punch in a container for wine and or spirits. Well, maybe that's uh, intentional then. Well, maybe it's very wine like, and I kind of like it. It's sour. It's mm-hmm. wine. It's um. It's uh. uh I will yeah, tell you what it. Wine. I'll tell you what it does. It makes you want another sip. It really does. Like it's got that what I call the Doritos factor. You know, it yep. just makes you want another. 
I don't know if I'd go back and buy another bottle of this, but it's super interesting to try. Mm-hmm. And I bet like this, because it's got a fruitiness to it, it's got a funk to it, it's got a sour to it. Um, this would go with like I maybe I'm just hungry because I think creamy cheese with this. <laughs> oh, we keep talking about cheese. Yeah, I keep talking about I, cheese. I, I just want crackers and cheese. Ever since we had the beer cheese, I think we've both been on a cheese sort of uh, uh, right. Yeah. Wow. I you know, I really like it. I did not expect to uh, from the nose. I really didn't. I like it in a wine way. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's nothing that I expected it to be. I I just would love to try this with more carbonation though. If this had a little more carbonation and it was fizzy on the tongue a little bit, I think I would like it better. I don't know though. This this has such a consistency. Like sometimes you can get stuff that just is a little too carbonated. Mm-hmm. And you can't get. I wonder if a little carbonation would would kind of disrupt the flavors. Going could be. On. Could be. That's why they you know backed that up because clearly they could have very easily carbonated it more. So. I'm going to go ahead and recommend this to someone who wants a beer that is very much like wine, mm. like a sour wine in a yeah. good way. You're right. It's it interesting. I, I think I think it took me a minute to get over that this is nothing like what I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Um. But but again, interesting. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. I'm digging I bet it. if you barrel age this, it would become something super interesting. Yeah, but it, but it is aged, right? It's an aged sour ale. Is that what it says? It says punching aged sour ale. Punching aged sour sour ale. How did age so it? so the uh, so what did Brian say? A punching was it's a, it's a container for storing and aging. Is that right? Container for wine and spirits. Hmm. So interesting. It doesn't necessarily say a container for aging beer. Container for wine and spirits. So maybe that has something to do with it. Hmm. This literally just tastes like wine to me. Like mm-hmm. if you gave me this, I would never guess that this. You would was never even guess it was a beer. beer. I agree totally. It, it tastes, tastes like, like a, a really, really interesting and funky wine. Is what it tastes like. So and, and funky in a good way. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, again, I don't know that. Like, if I saw that on the shelf, I don't know that I'd grab it again unless we're just going, "Hey guys, let's let's try some really interesting." things this evening and then almost wish we could have tried this last week when mark burrell was here that would have been very to see what a what the, wine what guy wine, thought yeah. of this you know that would be a lot of fun all right uh i want to jump real quickly into this uh this list of the um 50 best american breweries of the decade so this is you know the decades right now about to come to an end here in a month yep. Uh, and we'll start a new one. And so as it comes to an end, uh, Paste Magazine and website, which is largely a music website, but they've really expanded in, in the last few years to be a um, all things pop culture uh, website, mm-hmm. but but very much a, a hipster kind of uh, a website. Uh, so they've uh, started doing a lot about craft beer and about uh, whiskeys and things like that. And so I'll occasionally run across some pretty good articles on here. So this is from uh, their list, and there's some honorable mentions, which I won't even go into, uh, but they did this list for the last decade. Uh, They published a list 10 years ago of the best breweries of the last decade. So one of the things that they say about each of these breweries is whether it was on the list last time or not. Okay. Okay. So And then they mention their favorite beers from this particular brewery. So I just want to do a few of these before we take a break because it's going to take us a few segments to go through these. At number 50, and I like this brewery a lot, Ballast Point Brewing from San Diego. Now owned by Constellation Brands, which is not one of the humongous beer conglomerates, but it is a little bit larger company. Also Um, Lone Star. 
They were not on the 2009 list, uh, but they made it for this decade. And they mentioned their favorite beers, the Sculpin IPA, the Grunion Pale Ale, and the Victory at Sea. We've had that Victory at Sea. That's, well, we had them on the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and they, were, and they, they really do make yeah. wonderful beers. Uh, the Rheingeist Brewery in Cincinnati, Ohio, at number 49, was not on the list. I'm not familiar with this brewery. Mm-mm. But then again, I've not had a chance to spend a lot of time hanging out in Cincinnati. I've been there. Uh, their favorite beers, the Cheetah Lager, the Dad Holiday Ale, and the Calafé. Uh, in number 49, the Crooked Stave Artisan Beer Project out of Denver, also not on the 2009 list. Uh, their favorite beers, the Von Pilsner, the VL, and the Nightmare on Brett. It looks like a very interesting brewery just looking at the, uh, uh, looking at the write-up here. But you can find this uh, at paste.com, by the way, if you want to hmm. go look at it and read a little more in depth about these breweries. At number 47, the Deschutes Brewery from Bend, Oregon. We've had a number of their yes. beers. Uh, they mentioned the Mirror Pond Pale Ale, the Obsidian Stout, and the Dissident as their favorites. They were on the 2009 list, and they return uh, on this list as well. At 46, and this is a very interesting one, the Sweetwater Brewing Company out of Atlanta. I used to think that Sweetwater was almost like a a discount craft brewery because there was a place I used to shop where their six packs would be about a dollar cheaper than most of the other uh, ones. But I don't think that's the case. I think it may have just been the weird pricing of that particular place. I think I've tried a few Sweetwater brews and it wasn't uh-huh. like super uh, blown over by them. You know, it's the largest brewing company in the southeast, craft brewery in the southeast. Uh, and they say here that the uh, uh, that they seem to have weathered the industry slow down better than most. Here's what I can tell you about. I've had their Sweetwater IPA, which I think is okay. They mentioned that as one of their favorites here. Uh, they mentioned the Pit and the Pendulum, which I have not had. Uh, I'm guessing that's something a little I'd try it if I saw that. Yeah. Come on. Uh, and then they mentioned the 420 Pale Ale, which I will tell you I don't like because it tastes like cannabis. And while I find that to be an inviting smell, I don't. I, I still haven't developed the taste for a cannabis <laughs> flavored right. beer, you know? I don't mind the infusion, but uh, anyway, that's the 420 Ale. So uh, those guys came in at number 46. At 45 is Great Notion Brewing out of Portland, Oregon. Uh, they mentioned their favorite beers, the Ripe, the Space Invader, and the Double Stack. They were not on the 2009 uh, list. Funky Buddha uh, is in at 44. Now, we've had some Funky Buddha yes. brews on the show. They are also now owned by Constellation Brands. Uh, they were not on the 2009 list. They're from Florida, from Oakland Park. And they mentioned that their favorites on this were the Maple, ba- Maple Bacon Coffee Porter, Last Snow, and the Floridian Hefeweizen. So we got we got to get some more of their beers back mm-hmm. on. Those, those all sound very interesting to me. Tired Hands Brewing at number 43 out of Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Uh, they were not on the 2009 list. Hop Hands, Saison Hands, and various milkshake beers uh, they list as their uh, favorites. At number 42, owned by AB InBev, and there are AB InBev breweries on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wicked Weed out of Asheville, North Carolina. They were not on the 2009 list. Uh, they list as their favorites the Golden Angel, the Pernicious IPA, and the Milk and Cookies. Uh, they say, we've never been shy at pace about expressing our disdain for Anheuser-Busch InBev or trying to codify why former craft breweries selling out to the world's biggest beer conglomerate is a bad thing for the rest of the industry. At the same time, we also believe in recognizing beer quality in as objective a way as possible. It's why we conduct blind tastings where brands owned by AB InBev have continually placed near the very top, et cetera, et cetera. So um, there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. At number 41... 
Uh, I love these guys. Founders Brewing mm-hmm. uh, from Grand Rapids, uh, Michigan. Uh, they list the Founders Breakfast Stout, the Porter, and the Mosaic Promise. And I just don't think you can go anywhere with Founders oh, without man. mentioning the All Day IPA. That thing is so. But the Breakfast Stout and the yeah. Porter. Oh, it's, it's is fantastic. So good. And then the the Dirty Bastard. They're mm-hmm. they're Scottish ale. Oof. And coming in at number forty, Jack's Abbey from Framingham, Massachusetts, which is. Uh, right outside of Boston, they list their house lager, uh, the Post Shift Pilsner. I like that name. Right. And the Copper Legend. And uh, fair, fairly enough, I mean, I would say two-thirds of these I've never had a beer from. And so that's what's, that's actually what I thought was really interesting about this list. For places that we've not had a chance to sample from, that have well, made a list like this, it's, there's there must so be many breweries now. Beers are so regional now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's interesting to find out like how they figure out all the beers that you that are you know in certain regions now I know like in Texas we have the TABC laws and it makes it difficult for some beers right there, to to penetrate into Texas that are, are actually things, available everywhere else yeah there so. are certain things that have to happen for a beer to be saleable in Texas right. so one of the reasons that you know every time one of us goes on vacation outside of the state we try to bring beers back right you know? right uh, but it's yeah it's just to allow us to continue to sample things that maybe aren't available at retail here but that people who Check out the show in other parts of the country uh, would would know or be familiar with or have seen. So we'll get back to more of this list in a moment. When we come back in our next segment, it is bourbon time. Bourbon. It's time to uh, check out some of the Baker's Seven Year uh, from Jim Beam uh, from Claremont, Kentucky. And when I say check it out, I, no, I don't mean check it out for the first time. But we'll check it out with <laughs> with with the tasting uh, in mind. So that's coming up next. You are listening to Smoking and Toasting, and thank you for doing that as we. Make our way through show number 164. Welcome back. It's smoking and Toastin'. This is the little program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Bacon, bacon, bacon. Uh, it's amazing that we talk about the bacon so much because they're, what they're really known for is their steaks. Yeah. But the bacon is just it's so, so good. awesome. <laughs> well, you know, like, here's the thing. You go to a place like B&B Butchers, you expect the steaks to be that good. And they are. And even if you don't eat there, by the way, they are actually a butcher shop. Oh yeah, you can, you can go, go and buy, buy your buy, cuts yeah, of steak, which is awesome, which are dry aged, and yeah. and I, I don't know about you, but I don't have the facilities to do yeah. dry aging and stuff like that yeah. on my own steaks. I, I I can't do that in my closet. So you will literally go by there, pick up steaks, and make the best steaks you've ever you've had. ever made. Yeah, take them home, grill them, fry them in the pan, yeah. however you want to. Prepare so them. if you pride yourself, I can make a steak as good as any restaurant. Yeah, yeah you got to start with meat as good as that restaurant. So the uh, the bill that's officially called Reversing the Youth Tobacco Epidemic Act. H.R. 2339 passed a House Energy and Commerce uh, Committee's Health Subcommittee vote last week. We told you about this. Uh, Basically, this is the case where the bill would have prohibited the sale of all tobacco products outside of direct face-to-face transaction, which would have effectively ended catalog and Internet sales for cigars because there's no face-to-face transaction Mm -hmm. involved. Uh, So uh, on this committee... Uh, a representative from Florida, Kathy Castor, proposed an amendment that would exempt premium cigars during the hearing on this. And the Energy and Commerce Chairman, Frank Pallone Jr., we told you about this last week, immediately opposed the amendment, but he vowed to work with her on the bill's language if she agreed to withdraw it. So she, review- she withdrew, 
And then Pallone actually kept his word. And earlier this week, H.R. 2339 passed the House Energy and Commerce Committee. So it comes out of subcommittee. It's now passed committee. Now it goes to the House and then ultimately on to the Senate. It passed the Commerce Committee with an exception for premium cigars. That's the good news. An exemption for premium cigars. Uh, Drew Newman, uh, general counsel of J.C. Newman Cigar Company, uh, said today's a huge step forward for the premium cigar industry uh, because this is the first time that the Health Committee of the U.S. House of Representatives has voted to treat premium cigars differently from mass market tobacco products. So it's a good thing. There is, however, as there always seems to be, a catch. What's the catch? The definition of premium cigars that's in this bill right now are defined as having a retail price of no less than $7. I don't even understand that. What that means is that the cigar that I had today, because it was a $13 cigar, I could buy that one online. The cigar that you talked about having today, because it's an $8 cigar, you could not buy it online under this regulation if this becomes law. No cigar under $12 would be considered a premium cigar in the language of this bill. That's absolutely abhorrent. Yeah, I I almost don't feel like we won any victory at all here. So you can only smoke cigars if they're really expensive. Uh, Yeah, a a minimum price of of $12 per cigar is particularly problematic, Newman says, uh, because the price of premium cigars varies greatly across the country due to different state tax rates, et cetera, et cetera. Additionally, the FDA's own data shows that fewer than 25% of premium cigars are sold for more than $10. So this would basically ban the internet sales of 75% or more of the cigars that are sold. Just to stop underage premium cigar smoking. Which is not a problem. Which, by the way, we read early on in the show... In a Captain Obvious moment, yeah. after the government did quite the research mm-hmm. and found out that, what was it, like 3% of underage, like under 18 at, at the time, had ever even tried- It was less than that. It was less a than premium. Yeah. It was It was some, like, it was negligible. It was, yeah. it was like, smaller it was, than a margin of error. It was within the margin of error. Yes, it absolutely was. Absolutely and they spent was. money- and I can only imagine. I bet they didn't spend five dollars on it. They spent millions of dollars to create this information. Not that I want them to get in and legislate this, but I bet you get a much larger percentage who had tried beer or who had tried bourbon or whiskey or spirits of any kind. Much huh. larger percentage of underage doing that. I'm yet, willing to bet that there's a much, much larger percentage of underage people who've tried. Oh, I don't know, pot. Oh, yeah. Or other illegal substances. Absolutely. Um, now, I then do understand premium cigars, that you yes. can't mail order those, usually. Yeah. But at the same time, each state well, re- are making those legal. The reason they wanted to cut out the mail order is because there's not a face-to-face transaction involved. So you don't They want to a- cut out the epidemic of 16-year-olds buying, buying A.J. Fernandez cigars. Online, yeah. Online. Because yeah, you've heard that's such a problem. That's, it's amazing. Ooh, All right, every, can, can, can any parents out there please let us know in real numbers how many times they've caught their kids getting, uh, getting packages from Cigars International? <laughs> right, exactly. Right, and, exactly. Had to, and had to discipline their and, kids? And we will stand corrected on this matter if you do. 
I, I appreciate that. Okay, Ian, let's move on to something more pleasant. Let's move on to, uh, uh-oh. What's, what's the matter? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, that, it's just, it's so stupid that I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. And then the government does this, and I have to talk about it. Yeah. And it, I feel like it lowers my intelligence to even put my thought process on it because it shouldn't even be an issue. Well, let me talk to you about something that may raise your intelligence. All right. Baker's seven-year Kentucky bourbon. I see you reaching for it. Like a good man that you are. I don't know if this raises your intelligence, but it certainly raises your level of cool, I think. Uh, and I don't mean to prejudice your uh, your tasting report before you even taste it, but uh, I have a feeling you're going to like this. We're going we're gonna to find out. As as you can tell, as you pointed out earlier, when it was spinning on Mr. Twirly Gig. This, this bottle looks <laughs> well sampled. Uh, yeah, the bottle has been well sampled. There's no question about it. It looks like there was at least... At least one sample taken out of this bottle previously to today's discussion. <laughs> that, that was a big sample. If it was one sample uh, taken out, I can tell you this. So uh, so this is from Jim Beam. It's one of their uh, small batch offerings. And I will tell you, all of their small batch offerings that I have tried, I think are fantastic. Uh, so I am I expect no less from the Baker's uh, 7. Chocolate, baby. You know, it, not only chocolate, but... German chocolate cake mm. uh, is, is what I get on the nose from this. I thing. get that because it does have a little bit of a little mm. bit of a uh, cake kind of mm-hmm. breadiness to it, and it's got just that. There's this, there's this chocolate flavor that German chocolate cake has that other yeah. chocolate doesn't have, and I kind of sense that. And it's, it's also a little bitter in the chocolate, also on the retrohale too. This has a little bit of a um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little. Mm. It's chocolate. It's got a little bit of like uh, vanilla going on. Yes. It's got chocolate, maple, vanilla. Um, it's really delicious. I, w- I will tell you, but Ian. But there's a cool little bitter that happens mm-hmm. at the end, too. When it comes to bourbon. Almost like a grape skin kind of bitteriness. Oh, that's really very, interesting. Very I don't know if I would have said it that way, but you're so right. Uh, when it comes to bourbon, this is really the kind of flavors that I sort of look for. Well, this you is know? very classic bourbon, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really the right. What does a kind bottle of... of this cost? Do you know uh, off the top of your head? I think what? it's in the fifty to sixty 50-ish, range. Yeah, yeah. 60-ish. yeah. This is outstanding. Um, this is outstanding product. I mean, it's it's really at that hard price to range. It's it's really worth really worth the, yeah. the purchase. I think price to quality. Price to quality. Definitely five. Definitely five. Five and a half at yeah. least. Um, you know, you can buy cheaper bourbons, but there's there's something in the quality here that makes it feel like, yeah, this is worth. This a is more. no, this is definitely a yeah. step up, and you taste it. I will tell you, I'm a big fan. Uh, some of my favorite um, things are are buying twenty to thirty dollar bourbons that are outstanding. You know, mm-hmm. and I love that. But it's sometimes, fun to do. yeah, but sometimes you pick up something like this and you go, okay, this is crafted. This, this is, is a worth. Higher. Worth Higher the extra. End. Yeah. You can feel, you can taste the the difference in it. It's, it's worth the extra, but you didn't spend a hundred dollars, right? Because you, know? you can do that very easily. You know, it's very easy to spend a hundred dollars on a bottle of uh, a bottle of whiskey or even a bottle of bourbon. So, yeah, this is pretty big. It's a one hundred and seven proof, so that's a that's a little bit bigger. That's uh, about thirteen percent bigger than most. It would be interesting to compare standard. this side by side to the Little Book, which is another favorite the little book uh, i will tell you right now doesn't have the bitter mm-hmm. um 
on the end of it, and it's it's a little less heat. Like this has a heat that hits you mm-hmm. right as you swallow at the end of the pile. Mm-hmm. It doesn't creep back in; it just hits you right there, right at the swallow. Stays You're right. there, and, and then, then and a little bitterness in the aftertaste, which which is and I keep saying this word bitter, but I mean this in a good way. I mean like some positive, some yeah, foods yeah. and some drinks and things should have bitter, um, and bitter in a good way, which really finishes the palate on this, but. The little book is is all chocolate and yeah. and but it's a silky chocolate. But it's a different. It's more like a a, a dark chocolate or a baker's chocolate, uh, whereas this is more of that that German. I, chocolate. I could go in German chocolate. Yeah. I don't know how else to. I can go with uh, that. It's a little hard it. to argue with that. Uh, I guess German chocolate. I think of it as maybe having this like a little bit of a coconut like vibe to it. And I know we're gonna uh, when we get to our uh, final beer today. It's the Copper Kettle Brewing Snowed In Coconut Oatmeal Stout. So that should be interesting. I bet and also, this is gonna go well with. Also it. aged in bourbon barrels. So yeah, exactly. I was just about to say we may have a pairing on our hands here. This, you know, that uh, the the bitterness on the end seems to be like I'm using bitter a, a lot. But let me go ahead and 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 take about half of the bitter that I've mentioned out and say there's a little uh, oaky astringentness mm-hmm. to it. Yes. That I really, really love that oaky flavor and the way it leaves your mouth a little bit like I want a little more. You know, it's like it's like the astringentness of the the oakiness is fighting with your mm-hmm. palate and makes your mouth water for more. Wow. It's got yeah. It does it does have a Dorito factor going on. Yeah. And I will you tell you this, sip. if you've got sixty bucks to spend on a whiskey or and you and on a nice bourbon and you really, really want to sit down and enjoy and sip it, buy this. Yeah, because you can sip it. this slow. It's nice and strong. You can just, you know, you can just enjoy little sips, and that 50 60 bucks can last you a long time. You well, know? not only that, but it is also 53%. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to drink it slower. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you don't drink it slower, well, heaven forbid, <laughs> you're going to feel that. But you're going to drink it slower because it is bigger, you know? Right, right. And um and this is something you sit on. You can add a little water to it. You get a little more volume out of it. I, I a lot of overproof uh, uh, whiskeys, which is very popular right now, especially mm-hmm. a lot of overproof whiskeys. You know, uh, for some reason, people always think, "Oh, don't ever add anything to it." And, you know, I'll constantly say, "Add water, right? Try it, try it. let it." I we it. we drink it a lot of times. Very neat here, mm-hmm. but um, but at home, a lot of times, I will always try it like this, and I will always add a little water, and then sometimes a cube of ice after that. Hmm. Hmm. Well, um, I, I obviously because I've been to this bottle before, as you can tell, uh, I really enjoy this one. It's a it, it feels like a I don't want to say a guilty pleasure, but it feels like I'm treating myself a little yeah. bit, you know. And I like that. There's like nothing that. wrong. You- I have more expensive bottles than this, but this one makes me feel like I'm treating myself. <laughs> right, Does that make right. sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so and this, like I'm I'm assuming this goes with almost any cigar you throw Pretty at. Pretty much anything because, I've ever tried. Yeah, yeah, because the flavor on this is bold, but it's not crushing. Mm-hmm. And so I can imagine a, a lighter cigar, a nice Connecticut wrapper on the mild side, going well with this. But I can also imagine something reasonably robust. The AJ Fernandez you talked about today, yeah. the Chapman, goes with this. I bet it does. But I bet you could even go to a San Latano on you this. Probably and, could. Yeah, you probably could. And still have it, you know, San compliment La- and stand. San San Latano, the bull, even if you. Yeah, this would temper some of the pepper in there, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly, and it would and it would work really well. Uh, let's 
jump back into our uh, beer, uh, our brewery list here real quick. Uh, and then in our final segment, we'll taste that oatmeal stout that I've mentioned. Um, this is the list from Pace Magazine of the 50 uh, best breweries of the decade. The best American breweries, I should say, of the decade. Uh, so we were up to 40, so now we're at 39 from Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Uh, first time on the list, the Westbrook Brewing Company. Uh, they list their Westbrook Goza, the One Claw, and the Mexican Cake as their uh, star uh, All right. things. At number 38, here's one you know, Ian. It's Bell's Brewery out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yes, they were on the 2009 list, and they list their favorite Bells as the Two-Hearted Ale, the Black Note, and the Arabicadabra. It's not Abracadabra, it's the Arabicadabra. Uh, uh, so I don't, uh, I don't know that. They say Bell's feels like the sort of brewery where sheer consistency is both an asset and a criticism lobbed against them by a certain segment of the beer geek blogosphere. So, interesting. Uh, interesting. Bell's puts out quality after quality. Well, they so, do. Like it or not, quality after quality. Just ahead of them on the list at 37 from Milton, Delaware, also on the 2009 list, Dogfish Head, now currently owned by... Oh, that's Boston the wrong Beer one. Company. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's not what I meant to hit. I meant to that, hit. What did you mean to hit? Yeah, there you go. Uh, I, I love when we get the wrong sound <laughs> right. effect. There's something just there's something I'm just not beautiful. I love dogfish. Beautifully yet. poetic about it. Uh, they list their favorite beers as the 90 minute IPA, the Worldwide Stout, and the Raison d'Extra. Uh, for me, I would have had to throw in. See, I always want to call it moon pools and caterpillars, but that's not it. It's uh, dragons and yum yums. Oh, dragons and yum yums. I think moon pools good. and caterpillars is another flaming lips reference. Yeah. And now I'm kind of embarrassed that I dropped two <laughs> flaming lips references on the show. Uh, number 36, the Sante Adarius Rustic Ales out of Capitola, California. They list the. Uh, uh, family Whistle, The Bright Sea Blonde, and Love's Armor. I love that I know absolutely nothing about this brewery because it just seems like it'd be so fun to find out more. You know, right? Um, we've had these guys on the, uh, beers on the show before. Weldworks Brewing Company out of Greeley, Colorado. Their favorite beers there: the Hefeweizen, the Juicy Bits, and the Medianoche. I think we've had the Juicy Bits on the show. That before. Sounds right. At number thirty-four, Revolution Brewing out of Chicago. Uh, they list their favorite beers as the Straight Jacket Barley Wine, the Rev. Pills and the Eugene, which I believe is a porter. Is that right? I just love um, anybody that's making a barley wine. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm uh, for it. They were not on the 2009 list, but they come in on this list at 34. At 33, out of Brooklyn, New York, Other Half Brewing. Uh, they list their favorite beers as All Green Everything, Broccoli Special Reserve, and Double Mosaic Dream. I don't know what to say about broccoli. Okay, uh, you got you got my attention. I don't know. All right, other uh, half, send us one uh, of those. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, the craft beer scene of New York City um, has really heated up of late. It was considered a little underwhelming at first, I think, and has really heated up of late. So, uh, Pfrem Family Brewers from Hood. I think it's just Frem. Frem. Yeah, yeah. I, I say Pfrem because I just we've had that. On, I just we've want, had some of those. On we, the show. we have. They list their Pilsner, their Helles Lager, and their Ode Bruin. Um, I have, sitting in my refrigerator, a juicy IPA from these boys mm. that I think I need to bring on the show very soon. Uh, Prem. Because, yeah. You but, say Prem. Prem. I don't you know. Say, you say Prem. Uh, you say Prem. I say Prem. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Live Oak Brewing Company from Valley, Texas uh, is, uh, is in. So here's a Texas brewing company. They were not on the 2009 list. They list their Hefeweizen, the Pills, and the Oktoberfest. Now, I will say no slight to Live Oak. 
But I do, just based on the beers we've had on the show, which have all been good, but I can think of a lot of other Texas breweries I would put ahead of them. All right, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to defend Live Oak on this. Okay. I don't know of a better Hefeweizen. You are right. Their Hefeweizen like is Like, their Hefeweizen might be the best Hefeweizen I know of. It certainly, for me, would be tied with um, uh, with the one made by um, the brewery out of Boston by Harpoon. The Harpoon UFO. That is a stellar Hefeweizen. Uh, I've had UFO, and um, I'm not a huge Hefeweizen fan in the first place, mm-hmm. but the Live Oak Hefeweizen to me is literally... The it one. Is good. It is good. Yeah. Uh, at 30, the Perennial Artisan Ales uh, out of St. Louis, Missouri. They were not on the 2009 list. They list the Abraxas, the Vermilion, and the Maman as their uh, as their beers. I, I, I don't know if I've had e- any of those beers. I want to say I've had something from Perennial Artisan Ales, though. Do you remember? I feel like we've had one on the show at some point. In time. Now, I know we've had something from these guys at uh, number 29 out of Athens, Georgia, Creature Comforts Brewing uh, Brewing Company. We've had uh, one of their sours, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, they list their favorite beers as the Tropicalia, the Tritonia with cucumber and lime, and the Duende. Uh, so that's a big on the Georgia beer scene. At number 28, Oscar Blues, baby. Oscar uh, Blues. Uh, they are out of Longmont, Colorado. They list Dale's Pale Ale, the Ten Fitty, and the Hot Box Coffee Porter. Have you had the Hot Box? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I've had. Uh, they just put out a new one too, and I can't remember what it is. But I love Oscar Blues. Like mm-hmm. they do so many good beers. They, they really do. They're uh, they're Old Chub. Old Chub mm. is great. The Pliner, uh, 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 older, old style IBA, I yeah, think it's called. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Urban Chestnut Brewing at number 27 out of St. Louis. Uh, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce. They've got all these great German Hefeweizens and Pilsners, and I'm just going to say go to the. I, I'm not going to go I'm to not, the website. I'm and not even going to butcher yourself. those because I will not get them right. They're they're uh, not easy uh, German words. Uh, Modern Times Beer out of San Diego, California. Uh, they list the Fortunate Islands, uh, the Black House, and the Fruitlands. I have had the Fortunate Islands when I was in Los Angeles, and. Uh, found it to actually be uh, quite good, but I don't think we've ever done it here on the show. So, all right. So there's the first. We've now gone through 25. Uh, so we'll get to the rest in our next segment here on the show. And on that same segment, we'll be trying out Copper Kettles uh, Snowed In. It's the oatmeal stout in bourbon barrels uh, out of Denver, Colorado. And yes, no, I was going to say, hand me that, and I'll put it on Mr. Twirly oh, Gig so you, you can what? stare I'll, at it during I'll the break. Do that right now. Also. I think I see the the uh, lid to the uh, baker's uh, over here on the far side of the room. Yeah, that might have flown out of my hand. <laughs> All right, you're going to love this, by the way. This. This is a can of beer. Oh, man, look at that can. Yeah. <laughs> that, my friends, is a can of beer. We have to adjust and that a little bit. We there. will be back to sample it in our uh, final segment here at Smoking and Toasting, uh, show number 164, as we count down for you from the list, the 50 best breweries of the last decade. On the beach in Hawaii 
Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 164, where we're discussing the best uh, American breweries of the decade. Uh, we're all about craft beer, fine spirits. We're uh, all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. I don't know where they came from. I just, <laughs> I just found myself saying we're, and it sounded kind of strange. Uh, we're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. By the way, uh, no show next week. Next Thursday is uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Thursday's our our show day, so we will skip next week, and then we'll be back uh, the following week as we kick off December. Uh, and you know how all the every car manufacturer has some kind of December event. Yes. It's, it's it's not just we're trying real hard to sell you something this month. It's an event. It's a December it's to remember. Event. With it's, a wacky wavy flailing yeah, arm. Yes, yes. So we're gonna have our guy. we're gonna have our own event. It's rum month next month on uh, uh on oh. smoking and toasting. Uh we you know, partially because rum is a key element in fruitcake, which is very holiday and uh, uh, rum is a, a, a good a good Beverage to warm up with around the holiday time, and uh, we have two fabulous rum companies b- coming in to show us their wares and taste their goodies back to back as we kick off December on December fifth. This is uh, this is f- uh, furthering our uh, our uh, dedication to answering the question: What to do with the drunken sailor? Yes, we'll. I believe in the month of December, yes. we may be able to actually answer that. <laughs> we question. will figure out exactly. We're, what that do. that is our goal for December with a drunken sailor. Yeah, with a drunken sailor. Yeah. Uh, on December the fifth, uh, Docs returns to uh, talk plantation rum with us. Awesome. Apparently, they have some new uh, single cask. Uh, Rums or something very oh, that special so good. Uh, that he's coming. So he'll be bringing that along with him, and that'll be on uh, Thursday the 5th. And then on the 12th of December, um, our guest will be Florida Kanye rum. And Florida Kanye, if you remember tasting the oh, Florida Kanye yeah. that was available, the one that was back uh, 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 kind of in the back of the little display there on the Florida Kanye table, Oh, that mm-hmm. was it. Was it a 31, 32? What year was it that? It was amazing. Oh, it was amazing, is what it was. That's what it was. Uh, so I don't know if that's what we'll be tasting, but we'll be tasting whatever they bring and uh, and want us to sample. And my understanding is, I don't know if this is all worked out, but my understanding is that there is a plan to uh, not only have uh, some of the representatives in the studio with the rum, uh, but to have their master distiller on the phone with us from. Barbados or wherever he now is. Now that's so, cool. So that would be very cool. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so stand by for awesome accents and great rum stuff uh, <laughs> coming up on that show. And then it has nothing to do with rum except that I enjoyed drinking a great rum with him. Our old buddy Chris Hart returns to the show on uh, September on the 19th, uh, December yeah. the nineteenth. Who, by the way, nobody cares about. Nobody. Yeah, so we have all that to look forward to. Uh, what we're looking forward to right now is sitting atop Mr. Twirly Gig, and it is. A, a very interesting looking can of beer. It's taller than your usual tall can of beer. I'm not gonna lie, this can has a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. You might want to start breaking that down, Ian, and see if what's a, on there. It's <laughs> a it's a copper overall with kind of a yeah uh, off white or vanilla looking label. Copper kettle brewing. That that label for copper copper kettle brewing is super cool. Yeah, it really is. It's it's actually very artfully designed. But as you said, there's a lot going on on that can, it's, and lots of lots of real estate for it to be going on. It's got on. the picture, I guess, of someone's yard with a tree and some snow plowed up in the background, or those mountains in the background. I guess mountains in the background. And right. There's 
so snow it's, it's snowed sitting in. on top of a couple uh, yard flamingos. Yep, and it's snowed in. That's the which name is, of the beer, which is brilliant. And it's coconut snowed in. Now snowed in is the name of their uh, seasonal oatmeal stout. This particular stout has been aged in bourbon barrels and uh, copper kettle. By the way, is out of Denver, Colorado. Oh, that was really nice. Now, yeah. That almost made up for the lack of sound effects uh, for earlier. the first one, right? Now. Uh, yeah. So I'm really curious to see how this one goes over for us uh, uh, today. I have not tried bourbon this. bourbon barrels with coconut and chocolate. We got mm-hmm. a big can of this, so I'm going to pour generous. Yeah, on this uh, one. I think that's a wonderful idea. I, I'm going to assume, just due to what is going on in this, that mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy this beer. And look, it I'm pours out assume, of here a little bit thinner than Motor Oil, yeah, but it I'm, looks about like it. I'm going to assume from passing it under my nose as I went to pass it over to uh, Adam, our producer, that you're going to love this beer. <laughs> this, just, this just has got Ian painted all over it, let me just tell you. Um, um, well, I do is, like big beers and darker yes. beers and sweeter and, and beers. And this is bourbon barrel aged, and I believe if you'll check the can, you'll see great. this is 12.5%. Am I right about Ooh, that? Let's see. Only 240 cases produced. Best flavor serve at 50. I think you got about that nailed right now. 12.2%. Mm-hmm. 12.2%. Yes. Yeah, brewed with real coconut flakes. Perfect for cellaring. I am so anxious for you to taste this beer, my friend. We created I- Snowed In for relaxed mornings when work is optional and the snow keeps following. Um, brewed with coconut flakes and rich chocolate, this oatmeal stout pairs well with a hearty breakfast. Enjoy hints of bourbon from barrel aging as you sit by the fireplace. I love that this is for the morning. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, actually. It's kind of like a breakfast style, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Um, it, it has a little uh, food pairing here. Coconut macaroons, black and grouper, uh, chocolate black mousse cake, and, and uh, gruyere. How do you say that? Gruyere. 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 Gruyere cheese. So yeah, I am. I am going to be really anxious to uh, try this along with the bakers, which I still have a little uh, of in my glass. But I'm mostly I'm excited for you to taste this because I've already tasted toasted it coconut. Wow, it, it has a little toasted flavor to it, and that chocolate. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! There, but there's so much oh, going on. The chocolate under aftertaste the is yes. so amazing, yes. and there's so much going on under the surface after you get that first sort of coconutty thing. Then you get almost a Almost a barley wine uh, uh, flavoring, which I'm sure is from the bourbon barrel aging. Yeah, and then, but then there's so much else going on, and that chocolate comes roaring in. Oh my goodness! You know, it's funny because they talk about the coconut in here, and you can smell the coconut on it, mm-hmm. but it's not obnoxious. I, I, I have no. This to like- is not. Now we've had a couple of uh, stouts that have been almost like an almond joy. Yeah, like they've had that kind of coconut, and I've liked them. And this is this is more like a chocolate stout with some coconut, with a tiny added, bit of and coconut. It's really, in, yeah. really nice. I like the balance of it. I like the viscosity of this. It's not quite as thick as you'd expect, but it's very mouth filling. I feel like they totally nailed the correct amount of carbonation, too. It's got just enough, but it's, it's yeah, just it's, enough to tickle your tongue. Yeah, but it but it stays in that sort of flatter. Um, oatmeal stout sort of uh, sort of vibe, and I think it works. Did you buy this local, or did you get? I this? did not. No, I oh this man, state, I wish so. I wish mm. you were. I was hoping you were going to say you bought this right down the street because mm. mm. I would be broke by the time I got home today. Yeah, this that's is for sure. this is pretty good, isn't it? This is. I mean, yeah. this is this is just just outstanding. Mm. Probably my favorite stout that we've had. In I a have while. a little bit of this Booker's left the here. Show. Yes, this is going to be very interesting. I'm interested to see how it pairs with it because yep. the Booker's so And this is the Baker's too. now, not the Booker's. Oh, sorry, the Baker's, not yep. the Booker's. Yep. So I'm calling just, it wrong. 
Before for, Brian corrects us. Yeah, before, <laughs> before Brian gets on and goes, you did that all wrong. <laughs> so, oh what my. are you thinking? I'm thinking it completely changes the flavor profile of the Baker's. I'll tell you what. So I put the uh, Baker's up to my nose, and the chocolate in the Baker's is so much more evident once you have this chocolate on your palate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the uh, flavor... I feel like it softens it though a little mm-hmm. bit. Like it doesn't have quite the same bite to it once you've got this. Uh, once you've got this stout on your palate, uh, they kind of enhance. Well, mm-hmm. the 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 chocolate coconut snowed in kind of enhances this. Now here's what's going to be interesting. If you have the same reaction as I do, once you go back from the baker's to the stout, it feels so much more boozy than it did before. That now you'd think that would be the opposite, wouldn't you? Would you would think, yes, yes. But now it's got this wonderful, and it's it's a wonderful booziness. Not I a, think it because it. I think it's because it um it smooths out some of the chocolate flavors in the beer. Mm-hmm. I think it has this this kind of smooths out the chocolate flavors, and you kind of taste a little more of that. Wow, wow, these two are great together. They are really are. It's like together. best boiler maker ever, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> just, yeah, just dump some bakers into your snowed in. Or, uh, the Snowden, I, th- this is outstanding. I would love to have some of this at the house. I would love to have a few bottles of, or a few cans of this to uh, leave in my fridge for another year or two because I right. bet a year or two on top of like how good this is now. And they release a Snowden every year. Right, so. right. So And this distinctly says 2019 on it. And it's got, uh, I, I think you read initially that there's a very limited amount of this yeah, it's that, that only, gets released. Um, yeah. Only a few uh, cases on it. This is release number three. They, I love that they have all the information on here, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. So this is a copper kettle can. It's a big, tall copper kettle can with a stuck-on label. But it's a cool can because most of the time when you see a stuck-on label, you see a very plain can. Right. That's absolutely true. This is true. actually a copper kettle uh, can it's, that right. is copper So I'm guessing they probably and, do this can. And by the way, I believe that, this, that Snowden Ale has at least previously come in bottles. I think this may be the first one that has come in can. I think if you were to go online and search for Snowden from uh, from Copper Kettle, I think what you would see it's from bottles. the previous years is, is you know bombers. I'm just such a fan of the can. Oh, I know. I, I mean, because there's no uh, light contamination, no you know, uh, uh, no problems with that. It's just it's completely sealed. You know, you know, I, I think I've gotten to the bottom of one of the reasons why uh, I, I am less a fan of the can than I am of the bottle. Because with with the bottle, you're not sure of this. It could be, but not necessarily. With the can, I know I'm going to have to wash a dish. <laughs> I'm going to have to wash well, my see, beer glass uh, you because know, but, okay, I will so, not drink beer out of a can unless there's just simply no other option. Well, so, okay, a couple things. First off, if you have to drink beer out of a can, put a little speed hole at the top. Mm-hmm. It does two things. First off, when you go to take a sip, it doesn't go glug, glug, glug because uh, because you have an air hole. So let me That's, ask you this. The second thing it does is it also lets uh, some uh, some of the aroma some of the aroma come out, yeah. And you can taste you can you can get it in your nose as you're drinking it. Now I love the cans, 
where you pull the tab and the whole top comes off. Okay, so this is what I was going to ask you. What has happened to that movement? Uh, I'll about, tell you. A, about a year ago, Southern Star put out, I don't remember now which beer it was. I think it might have been an IPA. And it was one of those where you pull the. And I've seen that beer since, and it's just a regular. I think I, I, is it I more suspect. Expensive? I'm not. Um, I'm not 100 percent on this, but I suspect this. Uh, much like the old cans, and I'm showing my age here, where you had the little pop top that mm-hmm. would peel off completely. I think much like that is is that added bit of waste, or that could fall on the ground, that could cut your foot, that can that added bit of waste because uh, the top comes completely off and what do you do with it it's not attached to the can so you're not just throwing it all away with the same thing necessarily Whereas or you have this extra piece top, of garbage it stays and, connected and the yeah. problem with people is and it drives me a little crazy cuz i'm not well i'm not even going to get into that but the bottom is uh, <laughs> when people have an extra bit of garbage a lot of times people throw it on the ground or they don't think about it or i don't understand it whatever. but it happens yeah, yeah. i mean uh but I love that can that opens all the way to top, and and for me, you're talking about it gives you an extra piece of uh, uh, an extra washing dishes. I, if I have it in a bottle, I pour it into a glass. If I right. have it in yeah. a can, I pour and it. And I do a glass. too if I'm at home. But but like if you're someplace else and there's you know bottle beer and can beer like in a cooler and you're at a party or something, that bottle beer A is going to be colder, and B is going to stay colder longer. How is, how is bottle beer colder? I don't know. It just if a is. can is sitting next to a it bottle for the is. same amount of time in a refrigerator, uh, I can tell you this: the can and it's beer reached the can terminal. Beer gets, the can beer gets warm faster. It's reached terminal temperature for that I don't vessel. Know, the conductivity of glass versus aluminum, I don't know. But I'm telling you, I, I will agree. I'm the can the, a can will warm up faster because of your hand influence. Yes. Unless you have one of those cool Yeti or Arctic or whatever koozies, mm-hmm, by the mm-hmm. way, which are awesome. Which are awesome. Yeah, yes. they're awesome. But at the same time, uh, so I think that's a mental thing you've got going on. I think me, you're mental, man. Let me ask you this about this can of uh, Snowed In. Could you reach over and pour me some more out yes, of it sir, while I, I look at this could. last 25 breweries on the list? Of, Since uh, you put it that uh, way, the, yes, I will. Well, I thank you. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Or, well, you're a gentleman and a guitar player let's just put it that way and by the way the rest of the people in the office are not going to get to taste this oh and that's sad for them because it's delicious tom's gonna be sad <laughs> yeah we got some makers he'll be happy with that uh, <laughs> all right here we go the top 25 of the list of the 50 best american breweries of the desk the decade at and number five go and number uh, number 25 a personal favorite of mine the brewery spelled yes. b-r-u-e-r-y out of uh, placentia california yes they li- they were not on the 20 uh, 2009 list they list their favorite beers as Black Tuesday. Gosas are red, which I've never had, but I love the name. And uh, Mash, they list as their favorite. Uh, they've got more than a decade under their belt, but uh, uh, they really kind of came out right at the beginning of the 2010. So uh, they uh, come in doing really, 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 really well. These guys just make some great beer. We've had some great ones of theirs. At number 24, from Brooklyn, New York, Grim Artisanal Ales. Uh, they mentioned the Lambo door. I love that name, by the way. Yeah. I don't know why I love that word, Grim. G R I M M. I just love that like, word. Like the brothers Grim. Yes, I yeah, love it's that. Awesome. <laughs> uh, they mentioned the Lambo door, the Lumen, and the double negative. Lambo door is yeah. the name of their Lambo beer. Lambo 
or lumen and double <laughs> negative. So I'm guessing these guys don't make little piddly beers. They I'm just, guessing these if are If they big. have one called Lambodor, they need to have one called Donk. Mm-hmm. All right, If you're into cars, <laughs> you'll get that. Uh, the Burial Beer Company at number 23 out of Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, I don't think I've had a burial beer. Uh, Surf Wax, Separation of Light and Darkness, and Skillet Donut Stout. Are listed here, and I want a skillet. I want to hang out with those guys because those guys obviously have a sense of humor. Yeah, they clearly do. Degard Brewing out of Tillamook, Oregon, is at twenty-two. They were not on the two thousand and nine list. They list the Bouvice, uh, the Ode de Say, and the Creek. So these guys definitely love uh, uh, making beers with names that are not necessarily easy to pronounce. Is num- that a heavy metal band or a brewery? Oh, it's a brewery at number twenty-one. The Three Floyds Brewing Company, and we've had some <laughs> of these that. guys' beers yes. uh, from. Monster, Indiana. They were on the 2009 list. They list their uh, and these name these beer names are all very metal. So you'll appreciate this. Uh, their favorite beers that they list in this paste article: Permanent Funeral, Dark Lord, and Alpha King. Those are just three band names. Yeah, they right? are. They are. They're, they're, like, they're, that's sludge metal, yeah, heavy metal, yeah. and thrash metal, or or, or three. Uh, um, uh, Black Sabbath cover bands, one of the, one of the two. Uh, at number twenty, a personal fave, Cigar City Brewing Company out oh, of ta- uh, Tampa, yeah. Florida, uh, and they list uh, as their favorites uh, the High Lie, the IPA, the Gaiabara, which is wonderful, and they list one I don't think I've had, which is Hanapoo's. H-U-N-A-H-P-U I haven't had that, but they're Maduro. Ever since they've been available here in Texas, every time I see a six pack of Maduro, I buy it. Fortunately, it's, it's just wonderful. It's not every time I go to the yeah. store, but when I do see it, I buy their material. Uh, they were not on the 2009 list, but uh, I, I, I love these guys. And I will tell you, as an IPA fan, that High Alive very quickly landed inside my sort of go-to list uh, for IPAs. Out of Portland, Oregon, the Breakside Brewery comes in at number 19 on the list. Uh, they list the Breakside IPA. The Fitzcarraldo and the Coming Out Party as their uh, three uh, beers that they enjoy. I'm not familiar with this brewery, but uh, I like, heard the, of it. like the names of their beers. And, uh, and co- anything coming in this high on the list, I mean, I'm, I'm going to want to try if I can right, find right. one. Right. Uh, at number 18, the Half Acre Beer Company out of Chicago, Illinois. And uh, <laughs> uh, some of these... I want to try just because I love the names of their beers, and this is one of those. Uh, They were not on the 2009 list, but the beer that they mention as being their favorite for number 18, Half Acre Beer Company out of Chicago, Beer Hates Astronauts. (laughs) What? Bon Hut and Magic is Purple. Magic is Purple. I want to try all of those. I would actually buy... A beer that says "Magic hates per or Magic is purple" or "Beer hates astronauts." Yeah, just, I would just buy those. Yep, yep, just 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 because. Yeah, I mean, just purely on label alone, I would buy those. Uh, one that we've had here on the show a number of times at seventeen Prairie Artisan Ales out of Oklahoma City. Prairie, uh, they list the uh, the Prairie Ale, the Standard, and Bomb as their favorite. Yes, character. Prairie Bomb, but they have so many different bombs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, they take their bomb and do so many different things with it, and I love Prairie Ales overall, although our uh, Prairie uh, 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 Pumpkin Ale, I don't think we uh That was not, no, no, that one didn't do as well, but generally speaking, yeah. though, these Prairie Artisan Ales Yeah, we did our blind well. pumpkin tasting, and that one didn't do very uh, well. You know, they have, they have a passion for, you know, the whole wild ale, um, Segment and I will admit that's a that's a segment of the beer uh, uh, styles that I've been a little slower to acclimate to, but I've really been enjoying some of them uh, here of late. So 
uh, and Prairie is one of the most enjoyable. You've gone disco on me, haven't you? You put the sign on disco. I knew you were going to do it. Sometimes a man must disco. I knew you were going to do it before the show was over. I knew you were. At the car wash. I was thinking of you as the modern-day KC of the Sunshine Band. Nice. I'm going to go to Friendly Blue, though. How's that sound? Perfect. I like Friendly Blue. Triple Crossing Beer comes in at number 16. They are out of Richmond, Virginia. Their beers uh, listed here are Interstellar Burst, Fault Line, and Tiny Pills. I don't think they're the only one with the Tiny Pills. Uh, at 15, out of Boston, Mass., uh, Trillium Brewing Company. I've heard of these guys, but I don't know. If, I think I may have tasted one or more, but I don't think I've... Tasted a lot. Are you okay? Yeah, it's not, it's not doing. Oh, there it goes. Finally, yeah, there you go. All right, uh, Trillium Scaled Raspberry Soak and Melker Street are the beers that they list. Uh, you guys who are up in my, one of my favorite cities, Boston, Mass, will have to uh, send me uh, some of those because I haven't tried any of them. Um, you've heard of these guys. At number 14, the Russian River Brewing Company out of Santa Rosa, oh, yeah. California. Uh, they list as their favorite beers the STS Pills, Beautification, and, of course, Pliny the Elder, mm-hmm. the IPA. Um, I, I have, to date, only had one Pliny the Elder. And we were told it was old. We were told it was, yeah, like, it really was too kind old. Of like, yes. Really kind of out of date. So uh, I'm looking forward to trying that when I get uh, into an area where perhaps, you know, Santa Rosa. I should have been able to find Pliny uh, when we were in Los Angeles a couple of years ago for a month. Why did uh, Why did I? I, I, I would have. We didn't really go. It. We didn't really go on yeah, a quest yeah, or anything. Nah, like but that. I did. I, I, I went. I went shopping, and uh, I was down there at Bevmo looking for what they had. <laughs> you know, uh, Toppling Goliath Brewing comes in. At number we've 13. had that before. We've had these guys. They're from Decorah, Iowa. We haven't had them on the show, but we've had some of their beers on the show. Uh, Pseudo Sue uh, is one that we have had, uh, and then their Morning Latte. Fire and then skulls and money. You remember skulls? Yes, and money. we did skulls and we, money. We liked that one uh, a lot. I'm not as big a fan as the, of the pseudo Sue as I am of uh, some other pale ales, but uh, but these guys know what they're doing, and they got it. You know, they got it going on as a brewery. We've had this on the show. Oh man, number twelve is the rare barrel. Rare barrel. These guys have had some wonderful sours. They even call themselves a sour beer company. Yeah, and they are so good. Yeah, it says here you'll have to try pretty damn hard to find another brewery with such consistently creative and transcendent sour releases as the Rare Barrel was able to boast throughout the 2000s. And I I was at my uh, brew club meeting the other night, and uh, we ended up having a Rare Barrel uh, release. They're just wonderful. We've had a couple of them on the show. I have a couple more in my beer closet, and uh, we're going to need to get to them because... They're good. They mm-hmm. they really know what they're doing. At number eleven, uh, I have never purchased one of these in a store, but I have been to their beer garden and enjoyed their beers immensely when I was there. And out of Austin, Texas, number eleven is the Austin Beer Garden Brewing Company. Now, I you, love their label. By the way, it's yeah. ABGB. ABGB, right? Kind of like the CBGB thing. Um, have you been uh, to Austin Beer Garden? Yes. Okay. So you know. It really is just kind of this unassuming little brew pub that the doors roll up and you can enjoy the yep. weather when it's nice, sort of a vibe. It doesn't come across like a place that would rank number 11 on the 50 best. That's you know, awesome, though. But their beers are very, very yep. good. And I remember I went to an event there when I was uh, I was in Austin at uh, uh, South by Southwest, I think, uh, at, at one point. But I'm one of those guys who never like buys the... 
the badges uh, because you know they're just so freaking expensive and so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there and I was just doing some meetings and, and hanging out with some people and uh, some of my friends from Live 365 at the time uh, threw a get together at the Austin Beer uh, Garden and I went there and I was like, this is great. So once the get together was over, I was there for like three hours. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was so good. I just enjoyed sitting there sampling everything they had on the tap. So. I agree. These guys make great beer. Um, I see them mentioned a lot in some of the best beer lists, and I find that really interesting because I've never seen one of their project, uh, products available for sale anywhere, including in Austin when I've been there. No, you have to go to Austin. <laughs> so you have to garden, go right? to the beer. Right? This is this may be one of the first places on this list that you can't buy their product unless you're at their brewery. Yeah, I don't know that they're doing any distribution at all. And I could be wrong about that. If I am, Brian, please jump in and correct me, because I'd like to know, A, A, if their beer's available somewhere else, I'd like to know, because if it's closer to me than the actual Austin Beer Garden, I will drive there and buy some, because that's how good it was. Um, They list the Industry Pills, the Hell Yes, and the Rocket 100, all of which I've had, all of which are fantastic. Um, At number 10, The Alchemist. From Stowe, Vermont. I've been to Stowe. It's a uh, it's a, a, a skiing. Uh, We've area. had Alchemist on here. We've had we? uh, Alchemist before. Their favorite beers they list is Heady Topper, Focal Banger, and Luscious. Uh, this is you know Heady Topper was for a couple of years the beer that always seemed to be battling Pliny the Elder at right. the top of the of the beer list. So um, kind of interesting. At number nine from Greensboro Bend, Vermont, the Hill. Farmstead Brewery. Their favorite beers they list are Edward, Everett, and Anna. So it's kind of like naming your kids, I guess. Uh, but they say if you could go back in time to the mid-2000s and explain to the ownership of some successful sorry, regional brewery. way that, back in time yeah, to the yeah, mid-2000s. Right, they make you feel really old. That's the whole screen going back. Okay, go ahead. said if you could explain to the ownership of some successful regional brewery that in the next decade... The most popular format for critically acclaimed breweries would be operating in small capacity and making the customer come to you in order to buy beer to go. Is there any chance they'd believe such a thing would be possible? And uh, (laughs) apparently that's what. So I've not tried any of the Hill Farmstead breweries, but I can tell you this. If I am in uh, Vermont, I will be headed to Greensboro Bend uh, to check them out. They come in at number nine. At number eight, the main we're beer so company. Close. Yep, the main beer company. They were not on the 2009 list. Uh, their favorite beers uh, from this company: lunch, dinner, and Mean Old Tom. <laughs> I, I just I, lunch. I, I, I want to try all of those beers. Mean I do. Tom. I want to try all of those beers. I'll have lunch, yeah, please. Uh, I will say that uh, main. Uh, I was I was looking at a uh, a list of the states that were most. Um, uh, that had the most breweries per capita, and Maine is way up there. Maine is way Maine up there. Maine is way up there. Largely because very few people actually live in Maine, and apparently most of the ones who do own a brewery. So uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's one of the reasons that, uh, uh, that they're there. Side Project Brewing out of Maplewood, Missouri, uh, comes in at number seven. Uh, it's the Saison du Blé. Fuzzy and Beer du Pie that make the list. Uh, you got very French for a moment there. Yeah, I did. I did. And I probably mispronounced all of those. By du Ble, Was yeah. there about six letters at the end of yeah, that one? Probably. Probably. Uh, they come in actually at number seven. Actually, there weren't six letters. It was du Pas, P-A-Y-S. And I probably uh. mispronounced that horribly. So for those of you who actually do 
know how to pronounce words in French, I apologize. Uh, at number six, the Sierra Nevada Brewing Company out of mm-hmm. Chico, California. Uh, I love Sierra Nevada. And I think that one of the reasons that they make this list and make it so high, Sierra Nevada is a, a bit like the Boston Beer Company, the, uh, uh, the people who make uh, Sam Adams, mm-hmm. in that they're ubiquitous on the West Coast in the way that Sam Adams has a tendency to be ubiquitous on the East Coast. Um, they were one of the very early pioneers in the craft beer scene. They remain fiercely independent, mm-hmm. um, but they could easily have become less of a thing as all these little, you know, very artsy craft breweries well, popped up. I think you're right. I think the the familiarity with Sierra Nevada breeds a little bit of neglect to the fact that we know Sierra Nevada is good. So yeah. So what did they do? So we try other stuff, right? So what did they do? What's that? They released one of the best IPAs of the last several years, the Hazy Little Thing. That and is a great IPA. That put them back on the map in such a big way. It's listed here as one of the favorite beers. Hazy that Little is, Thing, uh, Summerfest, and Otraves, which is you know, uh, for me, IPAs I don't generally buy right, them. There's only a few IPAs I buy in general, but that is one that I buy. The Hazy Little Thing is an outstanding. One of the things that, that one of the things that has gone really right in my life over the past couple of years is that the little store that's downstairs from me in my building carries Hazy Little Thing. That's a wonderful, nice. wonderful thing. Uh, Wiki They're Brian says six. ABGB uh, does not do any off-sale uh, points. That's what Prowlers I thought. Prowlers yeah. and kegs to go right. Or in Austin, you can use Favor. I don't know what that is. Lucky oh, Austin. Oh, Favor is like a uh, Favor is like a delivery service, like a uh, DoorDash or like it's a, like an uh, Uber Insta- for beer. Instacart, like an Uber. Yeah, apparently some Favor. Uh, and, and I have. Do we not have this, this in Houston? This is I, the I, first no, we, I've ever heard no, of this. We have Favor in Houston, uh, but I I don't know exactly what they deliver because I haven't used There's them yet. An Uber for beer. I'm telling you. You need to go to Favor and check out their app. Not that I want another app on my freaking phone, but yes, you need to go to like Favor. Like my phone battery lasts 35 seconds now due to the 75 apps that I have yeah, going exactly. at all times. Yeah, exactly. That's why everybody wants you to download their app. It makes me nuts. Not to mention the like 16 gigabytes of video that I got saved on. Well, there's that. Yeah, there's that. At number five, Jester King from Austin, Texas. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, they list as their favorite uh, beers the Atrial uh, Rubica- Rubicite. I'm sorry, Atrial Rubicite. Uh, the Aurelian Lure and SPON, Methode Traditionale. Uh, I haven't had any of these beers, but I am somewhat familiar with Jester King, and I know they make great stuff. Talk to me. Oh, Jester King's outstanding. Yeah, like yeah. everything they make yeah. is outstanding. They But uh, I you know, don't they make uh Le Fin de Mon and um a few others, right, that uh unless I'm thinking of somebody else. Well, uh, sometimes I get uh, I get my breweries mixed up to be honest. Uh but Jester King it says here to the, to a corner of the beer world that had been traditionally limited to fruit such as cherries, Jester King brought a willingness to get downright weird, experimenting with how every fruit flavor imaginable could be transformed with cocktails of wild yeast and bacteria. So they basically took the whole uh, uh, Brett Nemiasis thing and just well, and they only sell on bombers. Yeah, like they don't sell anything smaller than a bomber that I know I be- of. I believe that's all. correct. Yeah, they only sell bombers, and they're all so good. But they have a few of their core line, and I'm pretty sure Lafindemon is one of them. That's and of course they're all like heavy metal based. So Lafindemon mm-hmm. was a Metallica song, by the right, way. Right. Good jam. And there's a <laughs> bunch of other ones. Um, 
But uh, yeah, and their uh, their labels, the artwork on their labels on their labels are so heavy metal awesome too. Uh, at number four. Oh no, Unibrow does Lafindamon. Brian. Okay. Just, right. uh, Thank you, Brian, for me. correcting us on I'm that. I'm dumb. Appreciate. <laughs> it's okay. It's late, and we've had plenty of the uh, oatmeal stout. Uh, at number four, I've been to this brewery. I love these guys, Allagash Brewing Company, out yeah. of Portland, Maine. Uh, they make some wonderful beers, including, by the way, and I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, I may get in trouble for this, but probably the best white I've ever had. The best white ale I've ever had is the Allagash White. It's so good. They do list it as one of theirs here. It is a good white. I don't know that I have opinion on best white ever. Well, um, I'm not. I'm. I'm not super knowledgeable about that whole style, but that white is delicious. What was the white ale we had last? Was it last week or week before? Was it Buffalo Bayou? That was like thirteen percent or 8%. oh oh yes yes absolutely that was that was crazy white yeah that's that was that crazy. Was. That was absolutely. Uh, they list the uh, white, the cool ship resurgum, and Matina Rasa as their favorite. I've not had those last two, but the white has been one of their beers for quite some time. I see you going back to the bakers. I see. You what's see going nothing. On. I see what's going nothing on over to there. See here. Uh, so they say to the list of things in this world that can be uh, considered certain, alongside both death, death and taxes, we propose the addition of one more addendum: the quality of new Allagash releases. Now, I haven't been that involved in tasting Allagash beers since I lived up in the Northeast, up in up in Boston, uh, and so that was quite some time ago. What they seem to be saying here is that their new releases are what's keeping Allagash. Really high on this list. So, nice. Very cool. Very cool. At number three from Seattle, Washington, Fremont Brewing. We've had these guys' beers on the show yes. before. Uh, they list the BBA Dark Star, Shingletown, and the B-Bomb as, uh, the B-bomb. Their, as their, uh, their favorites. At number two, out of Charlton, Massachusetts, not on the 2009 list, all the way to two, Treehouse Brewing Company. Uh, they list wow. the Julius... The now, double shot in the last, and the green. This is in the, this last, is the last decade, decade right? by the way. This is last not like 10 years. best in the From year. From 2010 to now. It's counting their their relevance and the quality of their releases across that time. Uh, they say we spend a lot of time on this list talking about hazy IPA, whether directly or obliquely. We've hit upon elements of its origin, uh, entries in the Alchemist and Main Beer Company. We've listed off breweries known for their killer hazies, be it Trillium or Great Notion. But after almost nine, nine years, we're not sure anyone's still done it better than Treehouse. So... They're saying the hazy IPA that these guys own. The That's style. number two out of fifty. Number two out of fifty. Yeah. Good job. Pretty crazy. At number one, out of Paso Robles, California, Firestone Walker Brewing Company. And I have to say, oh, so so you're giving me a scream on that instead of applause? No, actually, I think they're awesome. I just thought that was a funny one. <laughs> You thought the sound effect was funny, or yes. you thought Firestone no, the, Walker? the sound effect was funny. Well, so what no, do you Firestone think about Firestone Walker awesome, being number man. one? They're great. Their 805 is an absolute go-to, oh. and I don't see it everywhere. I know, I know they can, have distribution. You can here. find it in 12 packs at Specs, right? But I don't see it everywhere. But when I do, I pick it up. That's a go-to, especially if I'm mm-hmm. outside grilling mm-hmm. or uh, lawn mowing or doing yes. random things like that. And let me just talk about their IPAs. Their IPAs are outstanding. The Union Jack. Oh my goodness! Not oh. only the Union Jack, but the whole Luponic Distortion Luponic series. Luponic Distortion. Oh right. my god, it's so good. It's so good. They're outstanding. They also have. Uh, um, what's the other Firestone Walker? They have the. Um, uh, are you talking about the Mocha Merlin? The big bottle one. 
Well, let me tell you the the beers that they listed here. They said the Union Jack, the Mocha Merlin, the Sukaba. Sukaba, the, that's the one the, I was yeah, thinking right. of, sorry. The Feral One and the Pivo. Several of those I've not had. Uh so I'm 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 mm-hmm. I'm feeling like I need another trip back to California. Yeah, the Sukaba to taste is out. outstanding every time. And let me tell you what's outstanding is this Copper Kettle Oatmeal Stout with the Baker's Seven Years. Yeah, they kind of form like Voltron. These two have totally Into a done. warm, yeah. awkward whiskey hug. <laughs> it's, it's been a wonderful yes. thing. Wow. So, um, so I feel like one of the things that should not be lost as we get to the end of the show is how great that Honey Blonde was. In our first tasting segment earlier today, that was that was, really that was a wonderful mm-hmm. beer. And while it's so different from here, and I'm glad we tasted it first because it would be hard to do a palate shift from this back to that. I can tell you that was that was my biggest surprise of the show. Is how that good was, that beer yeah, was. that was outstanding. Uh, much props to those guys. Also, if you're listening to this uh, and you didn't catch the whole show, or even if you did, you want to watch it again. We are available on YouTube. Please go hit up our YouTube channel and uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Yeah. That would be amazing if you hit the subscribe button and the like button. And then if you hit the subscribe button, there's a little bell. Mm-hmm. If you hit the little bell, it will notify you when well, we like have when we get new, new content new. out and available. As Which soon is as a lot this- less annoying than you might think. Yeah, no, it just lets you know. Uh, like If there. you have a phone like mine that gives you uh, uh, updates uh, on certain channels that I follow and stuff, it just says... Hey, you got a new video from these guys coming on, mm-hmm. uh, and you can you know watch it or not watch it or you know put it on late at night when you want to have a little bit of a mood going on. Ian, any thoughts about uh, what you plan to drink across Thanksgiving week? Because it'll be two weeks now before we're back here doing another. Well, show. so uh, as is this season, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I'm always very adamant about is drinking as much of the Christmas ale from St. Arnold's as I possibly can. You're a very smart man. Although, uh, you turned me on, was it last week or the week before, uh, to the Gutentag from St. Arnold. Dude, that beer. And it's like the Christmas ale without all the spices in there. It is. It's so, so good. malty and it's wonderful. so good. It's so I've so gone good. through a six-pack of that since we uh, had it last, and it was absolutely Smoking and toasting, directly impacting sales. That's right, even if I have to buy it myself. That's right. Uh, no, so it's been. Uh, so those are those are a couple of my favorites. And, of course, I like to drink local when I can because I'm pretty sure that a, uh, that uh, AB InBev does not own St. Arnold's. Yeah. So, and, um, and thank God for that, by the way. Right. So, uh, And, again, my, my thing is I, – I, there's there's breweries out there that still make good beer that are owned by them, but I just rather not put money in their pocket. You know I what I would to. you know what I would love to do is I'd love to get uh, Brock from St. Arnold on the show, and we will do that. Uh, but when he comes on, I'm going to ask him how much did AB InBev offer you? How much do they offer him every year? Yeah, exactly. You know they you do. You gotta know His they went there. His brewery is huge. His brewery is amazing successful. and awesome. His brewery yeah. makes amazing beers, and, and ABM Bev would love to crush that. And what one of the things that they seem determined to do is to try to pick up breweries that have, like Wicked Weed, for example, have a, a real following. element of hipness and following to them. Yeah, yeah. But and, you know what they would do if, for instance, they bought any brewery that I love, they'd immediately destroy. And discontinue the beers that I love from that brewery. You're still upset about. Uh, I'm still uh, pissed sympathy about for sympathy the lager. for the lager. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It was, was a great beer. Was a great beer. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we appreciate you hanging with us this long. I think it's been a long episode. This we has even, been. It's just we us. didn't even have a guest. Yeah. <laughs>
But we appreciate it. Thanks to Wiki Brian for keeping us on the straight and narrow. Uh, thanks you are to the Adam. bomb, by the way, Wiki Brian. Thanks to Adam on the wheels of steel. Uh, to our friend Tom here at the uh, office. Uh, I'm so sorry, but there's no more of this oatmeal stout left. Sorry, man. Yeah, that was way too good. Yeah, it really was. I uh, want to wish everybody a wonderful week and a great Thanksgiving. I can't believe it's actually Thanksgiving already. Thanksgiving, baby. Uh, I know. But enjoy it and uh, try some uh, try something delicious maybe in a little flask if you have to you know, do one of those weird family Bring something dark things. with a high alcohol content if you're yeah. staying overnight outside of a Best Buy. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is my favorite way to spend Thanksgiving. <laughs> Have a great week. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Thank you for listening and checking us out. YouTube, like us, subscribe. Smoking and toasting.